Coming up, basketball, football, million-dollar picks. Oh, yeah, it's Thursday. Next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. After four years away, it's the return of a fan favorite, Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches. Stacked with sweet and savory bacon that will give you a candied feast for the senses. Available in BLT, roast beef, and turkey sandwiches. Try Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches today. Order the sandwiches online or on the Arby's app. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Limited time offer at participating U.S. locations while supplies last. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. Did In the Line of Fire. Have a horror movie coming on Monday for rewatchables. So stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up, we're going to have Rob Mahoney talking after the two Thursday night TNT NBA games. We're going to react to basically everything we've seen for the last three days, just things that have jumped out to us. And then Peter Schrager is going to come on and talk about the NFL. Do we have a best team? What are we noticing through seven weeks? What can we expect in week eight? That will lead to million dollar picks. And that is today's podcast. Let's bring in our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this. It's almost 10 o'clock on Thursday night. Pacific time. Rob Mahoney is here from the Ringer NBA and showing the ringer.com. Uh, we stayed up late because these were two good games. We've had three straight days of very entertaining basketball, and we got to start with the biggest story uh, Kelly Oubre and the Sixers. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a signing that was. He looks great. No, uh, we just watched LeBron versus the Suns. LeBron's 29 minute limit, I think, is out the window. He played yeah, the whole fourth fast. quarter <laughs> and then uh, made the two big head down, just going to the basket plays at the end. But biggest thing that's jumped out to you in the last three days is what? Lakers-wise or just in general? In general. Hmm. I think a lot of these teams that we expect to be really good clearly have some assembly required. And the Lakers are one of those teams. I think we saw that from the Bucks and the Sixers tonight too. We're seeing it certainly with, you know, the first days of the Victor Webanyama experience. Like everyone is getting up to speed. Into, like into their rhythms, trying to understand how all these new pieces fit together. Not revelatory for the opening days of the season to feel that way, but I think even some of the stuff that personally I thought was going to be seamless, like the Giannis Dame pick and roll, there's some kinks in it that they're going to have to figure out over time. Um, Lakers, I thought, were the one that surprised me on that one because I thought they were one of the teams that were going to have the advantage coming in. Oh, yeah. But you think about last year's team compared to this year's team, it doesn't seem like Reeves is involved enough either game 
that, that uh, you know, I don't want to say he's an afterthought, but it just felt like he was more in the mix in the playoffs last year. And I liked what Schroeder did for him, them last year, and he was good on Toronto yeah. uh, last night and really fit in with what they did. So they're going to have to figure out that Vincent D'Lo thing. Um, Wood was playing crunch time, which I was really surprised. <laughs> did you think we'd be getting this much Christian Wood? I thought that was like a flyer for them. Guarding Kevin Durant on some yeah. possessions? Wild stuff. But if nothing else, we can trust that when Christian Wood is out there, he will be Christian Wood. In these uncertain <laughs> times, we can always fall back on that. He certainly had <laughs> his fair share of like black hole kind of possessions in this game. Yeah. But he also does play into the Lakers' advantages in terms of their length, right? It, their size yeah. against a team like Phoenix. They're just going to be able to outmuscle, get to rebounds, get to balls that they can't get to. So that part of it paid off, I thought, in terms of just like having another big out there. And certainly the Anthony Davis experiment continues as far as like, do you want more size with him? Do you want to play yeah. small with him? There's always that eternal question because he seems a little reluctant to do it on a full-time basis. But I'm sure Christian Wood's going to get his shots. I mean, I'm, clearly Jackson Hayes is going to get some shots in the rotation to be a meaningful part of the Lakers, uh, the mix there for the Lakers. So I don't know. I, I think Darvin Ham has a lot of questions to figure out including the one you, you listed with Austin Reeves, which is like, who has the ball? Who's initiating for us? Who is involved on a possession-to-possession -possession basis? Because this game, this was a lot of D'Angelo Russell. And it was a lot of a better version of D'Angelo Russell than maybe we saw the other night. But it still feels like a lot. 33 minutes for him tonight. Yeah, Reeves, seven shots, one assist. And I thought his all of his usage stuff was going to go up, but it seems like it drifted Russell's way. The other thing I was surprised, I thought Rui was going to be a bigger part of this team. They only played 12 minutes, but I haven't changed my thought on them. They're just such a big, problematic team. And if you're the Suns, and you're feeling good after that Warriors game, right? And the Warriors, no Draymond. They were able to overpower them a little on the boards, the two centers at 22. And then tonight, you see the flip side of the, of the use of Nurkic ex experience, oh God, yeah. where it's like, you're getting zero rim protection and you're getting somebody who's just going to be confused anytime somebody is coming off a pick. I mean, basically LeBron at the end of the game just said, I'm going to go attack walk into the that rim. guy. Yeah, I'm going to go attack that guy right there. Uh, Durant was better tonight, at least for the first three quarters than he looked on Tuesday night. There was, it was really cool just seeing those guys on a basketball court after all these years. It's you know, so as long. I get older, I'm older than you, but like, just, the, just think like, man, this goes way back now. We're talking yeah. mid 2000s was the first time these two guys played basketball against each other and it's still going on. Uh, so that that was in a cool way, kind of lingering over this game. I was enjoying that one. Uh, do you, how do you think Durant looks in terms of being a 35-year-old guy who they gave up three first rounders and two swaps and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson for? <laughs> it feels like a slightly loaded question. Yeah. He, he's looked good. And certainly, as you said, the first three quarters of this game looked, you know, more than good enough. I think the problem was just like this, this version of the Suns felt very like James Harden is hurt and Kyrie Irving won't get the shot. Nets, you know, just like <laughs> Kevin Durant right. and a bunch of like... Black that Nets out of my mind. <laughs> I think a lot of us have tried to, but, you know, him with a lot of like serviceable workaday role players can get you so far. But as, yeah. we saw, as we saw in this one, against a really good defensive team like the Lakers in the fourth quarter... They can just shut the water off. And this is where, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about the Suns for a variety of reasons. I think if it was just the defense or just the depth or just the injury risk of their core guys, I would feel better. But it's all of the above all the time. 
And that's going to put Durant in some games like this one. It's going to put Yusuf Nurkic in positions like this one where all of a sudden he's triggering your offense because you don't really have a default point guard out there. And sometimes the value of having a point guard in your rotation, I don't think it's really going to matter when Beal and Booker and Durant are playing together. Those guys can all handle and play make and do everything they need to do. But in a game like this, where two of those guys are out, sometimes it helps to just be able to run some offense that doesn't have to involve Kevin Durant pounding the rock through pick and roll. Yeah, 28 shots for him today. 13, including, and then 13 free throws. He played 39 minutes and was also playing the five in stretches. And this is game two. (laughs) They had to basically try to unlock 2007 Texas Longhorns Durant. So that's the last guy I want to be throwing miles on, maybe in the entire league other than LeBron. Because well, he's, you know, that's that, going to be that's, true for Booker and Beal too, right? Like when any of these guys are out, those three, whoever's left is going to have to yeah. play huge minutes or else you get into Grayson Allen and Drew Eubanks are playing like a massive role in your rotation. And I like those guys. I like Drew Eubanks, maybe not like tamper and lose a second round pick like Drew Eubanks, like some teams do, right. but I'd lose you know. 50K for him. Maybe not a second <laughs> round pick. <laughs> it's a little steep. Yeah. Um, the other game, Milwaukee, Philly. So no Harden. I, I wish there was a way to just mute the entire Harden story of all coverage for it. Anything online, anything on Twitter, all conversations. I just don't want to hear it anymore. And I don't think he has any interest in playing. And I just think, just tell us when he gets traded. Their best chance now, now that the, especially the Clippers last night look great. Um, now they look great against Portland, but they look good and they're healthy. And the last thing they want to do is bring the James Harden problem onto their team. Mm. So Philly has no options. He's got to come back in the next, you know, 28 days. But their best thing that happened to Philly this week was that the Bulls looked like shit yesterday. And that's probably the panic team for James Harden. If the Bulls are just like, Jesus, what do we do? Sure. Hey, all right, Zach, maybe we just get out of Zach Levine's money and figure it out. But uh, the Sixers-Bucks thing, the, the thing that jumped out to me from the Philly side is, you know, Embiid's coming off this MVP year. Yes. He really did not have a good Boston playoff series. The, it's certainly not a series he could feel good about in any respect. And you see some of these other guys come back from disappointments, like even somebody like Giannis, and they're like, they just look like they're in amazing shape and incredible focus. I thought he sucked tonight. Really? And I did. I, I Especially in the fourth quarter, um, I just thought, you know, he, he missed a bunch of shots in a row. The key play of the game, they're swinging the ball around. He does that touch pass. Oh my gosh. Maybe the worst touch pass I've ever seen. Right to the, right to the bucks. They get a fast break and he doesn't run back and they end up, the fast break doesn't work out. They throw it back for a three and he still hasn't run back. Yeah. And it's a five point swing. And it was a lot of stuff like that. He fell down a bunch of times and if this was not a, hey, man, I know we don't have James Harden, but get on my back, guys. I didn't feel that way at all. You know, no. and he's going against Giannis, too. Um, so I thought from a Philly standpoint, that was pretty discouraging because there are other guys played really well. I thought that was a great Maxi game. Maxi, like, he's got all the Bucks games circled because he's like 30 <laughs> plus. They got a lot out of Oubre. Probably, yes. And Harris in a contract year looked really good. thought some of their... Some of their bench guys looked okay, but he was the piece that didn't come through for them. And on the flip side, on the Bucks, like it's just Damon Giannis oh. and some Lopez, and then they got a little more from Jay Crowder than I thought. But I left that game a little suspicious of both teams. I know that's weird to say. What about you? 
Well, I think Middleton being on a very clear minutes limit and looking like a guy on a minutes limit, it, it kind of bends Milwaukee's rotation in certain ways. It yeah. certainly asks a lot of not only Dame, because he's kind of taking on more ball handling, but even your Malik Beasley's and your Pat Connaughton's. Like, those guys are just having to do more than hopefully for the Bucks they will ultimately have to do. So I think we'll see. What's heartening about the Dame part of it is just like we've never seen Giannis play with anything remotely like this oh before. Oh my God, like, that was th- awesome. 39 points. And, you know, as I said earlier, there's a lot to work out in terms of what this offense is going to look like and how those two are going to work together. And in fairness to Giannis, figuring out your short role game with a new teammate when Joel Embiid is waiting for you in the paint every time, like that's, that's you know, the, the difficulty has been ratcheted up for this particular yep. scenario. So I'm, I'm conscious of that. But for, for any hand-wringing you would want to do about the Bucks, when it came time to decide like who was going to close this game, there was complete clarity as far as who that was going to be. And we'll see if that is because Dame was having a great night or if that's just kind of what his role in this team is going to be. But in terms of his place in the offense, Giannis teammates don't score this much. They just don't. Like they, they have yeah. categorically, historically have not. It happened two times all last season. Two Drew Holiday games where a Giannis teammate scored 39 or more. No Giannis teammate ever has attempted 17 free throws before. Right. So, so there and he the, was 17 for 17 on free throws, which was amazing. And just like that kind of driving force is something Milwaukee hasn't had outside of Giannis. So the fact that you have this not only phenomenal scorer who's going to hit, I mean, he hit and won threes in this game. He had incredible yeah. shots, but who can get to the rim and who clearly like knows how to use his gravity to pass out and set up other guys. Like It just felt a little more in control than we're used to seeing from crunch time Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Yeah, and Giannis is not the type of guy who's going to be going, hey man, I, I could have used a couple touches there late. Like he's, he seems super happy with it. It was the perfect Dame game because there were people to hide him on on the Philly side the entire game. Like he was like, oh cool, it's Danny yeah. Green. I'm going to go stand over <laughs> next to him on this possession. Uh, I'm not sure they're always going to be able to get away from that. Um, in terms of their supporting cast, though, I, I still yep. have a lot of questions. But, you know, they can always add to it. Maybe uh, maybe Bochamp, I don't know, oh, yeah. could... could get some real run. Yeah, because he at least was giving them a little defensive intensity and uh, was trying to do stuff. But it just... I think the Maxi-type players are going to kill that team all season. Because oh. it, it was... He was just full head of steam, nobody getting close to him. And I, I do think if Embiid had had a better game and a couple of plays had gone their way, I mean, there was that, I, yeah, there was, was a, just a slew of terrible referee moments in these first three days. <laughs> Not ideal. It's, it still feels like the preseason for the refs, but Giannis throwing that air ball to himself with like three minutes left, clearly an air ball. Like it wasn't like, oh, I wonder if that hit the rim or scraped the backboard. It was like, no, he just threw it over the rim, caught it. It, the two of the Sixers stopped. The whole Sixers bench is jumping up. And then they did, well, I, They could have reviewed that and basically nullified the uh, the three, I think, right? Or are they not allowed to do that? I'm trying I to forget, remember what the, what the shot was that followed. Are. I mean, look. The, I the think pow- it's a violation. The play stops. But somehow everybody missed it. And that turned out to be a big one. Well, that's where you're tripping up. It wasn't a violation. This was a revolutionary new act of basketball. And I don't know why you're turning your nose up <laughs> right. as someone pushing the envelope forward. <laughs> Airball air rebounding. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you're Philly, on the one hand, you're encouraged. On the other hand, you're in day two of the James Harden hostage crisis. <laughs> and God only knows how that's going to play out. And it's this thing you're going to have to deal with all the time. And 
you know, you're still on the clock with Embiid. Not great. I really, really enjoyed the Damianis part, though. I just, as a basketball fan, it was really fun to watch. And I was thinking, I didn't really love watching the Bucks the last couple of years because mm. we had spent a lot of time with Giannis, so I knew all his stuff. But in terms of like league pass regular season stuff, I never felt like they were really a must watch because I'm like, oh, I know that team. I'll just watch them when they get to the playoffs. I don't need to necessarily put my Bucks time in. Mm. But now I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to watch more of them this year because their crunch time stuff is going to be more fun, right? Is that fair? I think it's totally fair. And as okay. far as, you know, when I think about League Pass teams too, I'm thinking which teams reward repeat viewing, right? Which are the yeah. teams that over the course of the season, you're going to have more and more fun with the more you see them. And Milwaukee has always been a we play the way we play kind of team, tactically yeah. speaking. They have their system. They stay to it. Man, we got game one, Milwaukee Bucks doubling Joel Embiid aggressively. Like, Mike Budenholzer's Bucks are a long way in the rearview mirror at this point. Right. So I, I think just in the perspective of we're going to see kind of what Adrian Griffin has in store for this group, how they're going to defend on a nightly basis, what kind of yep. different things they might do in addition to all the Dame and Giannis wrinkles. Like there's there's going to be a rewatchable quality to them that's a little more interesting than it's been. But I, I don't want to I don't want to be too down on Philly. Like I I think it's interesting that they're doing this kind of decentralized offense. And they're clearly trying to... It's the kind of thing you can really only do after Joel wins the MVP, right? He's gotten his acknowledgement. Dominant player. We all understand what he can do. They've been very vocal in camp about trying to move the ball more, trying to get Tobias Harris involved as a ball handler. Clearly, Maxi is going to be a huge priority. He had 31, as you said. He's going to torch the Bucks and teams like the Bucks all season. I thought he could have done even more in this game. Yeah, had, I thought he could add a 40. I agree with you. He probably could have had a, like a good floater or a good look at a three almost whenever he wanted based on the matchups. So I, I'm interested in seeing how that bears out because I did, obviously they're balancing their offense. Four guys scoring 20 plus is indicative of that. But there wasn't a lot of rhythm to what they were doing. It, it didn't feel clean. It didn't feel practiced. It didn't feel comfortable for them yet. And so I, I want to see if this is the group they have. You know, if they end up having yeah. to kind of sit on James Harden for a while and they don't, get whatever the return for him is going to be for months, you know, m until months from now. Like, how are they going to settle into the rhythm of this offense? What, what will this ultimately be if this is the collection of guys they're ultimately going to go to war with for, for the majority of the season? I think for league pass purposes, they might actually in some ways be more interesting than last year because that Harden and B two-man game stuff, how many times can you watch it? You know, mm -hmm. it was Groundhog Day. Let's take a break. I want to talk about some of the stuff from last night. There were a couple of things that jumped out to me. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. I am going to be talking about NFL Million Dollar Picks Week 8. We're talking to Peter Schrager in a second, doing Million Dollar Picks at the end of the episode. Do I do a tease? I've lost two weeks in a row teases, but there's a perfect tease, a perfect one with the Lions and the Chiefs. Are we going to do it? I'll tell you it in million dollar picks. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better place to get on the action than right now. No better time to get on the action right now. The app, so easy to use. So many different ways to bet. Live, same game parlays. Uh, you can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can dive into the Parlay Hub, which is great. It's the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
You must be 21 and 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system. Comprehensive protection for your whole home. A great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe named best home security system in 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. Recognized for the best customer service and home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. So I was on a lot of text threads last night and today during that Celtics-Knicks game. Another game that had some bad calls that I will fully admit benefited my team. <laughs> but that there was a Jalen Brown subplot to that game that oh. I started getting texts about and just in general um, was concerning to me watching it where you have a guy who averaged almost 21 shots a game last year. Now you're watching the team this year and especially when it got to the fourth quarter. And by the way, he had no shot attempts in the fourth quarter. Mm. Um, they were just better options all the time than Jalen Brown for the Celtics in that particular game. I was happy when either guard had the ball, Tatum obviously, and then this seven foot four freak Porzingis for as long as he stays healthy, like awesome. If if I, it, it was weird because I had the same reaction watching and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to suppress that as a Celtics fan. I'm not going to be cynical. And then started getting texts about it. It's like, oh, Jalen, is he going to be happy? Is he getting enough shots this year? 304 million bucks. He's the third option, maybe the fourth option. <laughs> How is this going to play out? This is one game. He might be awesome <laughs> to, to say. He might be awesome on Friday night, but it was a subplot I wasn't expecting. The is Jalen Brown going to be happy this year on this team if his shots go down? Doc Rivers mentioned this on my podcast on Tuesday. He thought this was the subplot to watch. And when he said it, I was like, "No, nah, it'll be fine." And then I watched that next game. I'm like, "Oh, what is this going to be?" So I don't know. It's it's a TBD, but I wanted your take. I think it's one of those things that. First of all, yes, it is game one. I know the, you know, the body language doctor is always in, but I always I, I want to the warn body you, language doctor is 365 a year, Rob. I get it, but I think your license can be revoked if you act too early on these things. So we might have to <laughs> bottle it up for a little while. I think it's going to depend on whether this is a pattern, right? If every time they get into crunch time situations, Jalen Brown turns into the guy in the corner, I'm sure he's going to feel a certain way about that. I think any player of his caliber would. Yeah. So just like it's going to depend on who is starting on a night to night basis, you know, the Celtics were talking about maybe they can kind of share those responsibilities from time to time in terms of who comes off the bench. Jason you Tatum was volunteering. Look, you see, they, the top six guys, they had a meeting and tried to figure it out. It's like, it's this never is Joe too Missoula early. Nation. Let's do it, man. Never too early for team meetings. The Chicago Bulls also the, are the yeah. earliest players only meeting on record. It's a big day for meetings. So <laughs> I hope they big were all way. productive. I hope they all, you know, were more substantive than an email. Certainly for the Celtics, like I like where they are to start. How these things ultimately settle in with Jalen Brown, 
extremely hard to say, but I think it's going to depend on... They're going to have to pick nights in the regular season, certainly, where they openly kind of clear out for him in those spots, right? Right. That's, that's so much of what regular season basketball is about. It's not just troubleshooting for the playoffs, figuring out your rotation. Like There are nights where teams just actively have to set up their second and third guy and say, we're giving you this one. Like, show us right. what you can We're do. We're playing the Wizards tonight. Here, you got 25 shots for you tonight, buddy. You know? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think the only question is, like, it, will he be content if that's kind of what his place in things is? If ultimately, when they do get to the games that matter in the playoffs or, like, the big marquee nationally televised games against the Sixers or the Bucks or whoever, you know, if, if he is kind of in the background of those games, that's, that can be a very tough thing to deal with for a player in his position. Well, we have this Friday night game with them in Miami, which I think is probably the number one rivalry right now, right? I mean, you would say they're, I guess LeBron and Curry, anytime they play, that feels like it means the most because those are the two best players this generation. But um, I would say for teams, for history, for Miami's chip on the shoulderness. Yeah. Miami's in rare form already. They won their typical one-point game. They, come, they came down to the other team they, <laughs> missing late, and they went to the free throws. They made all their free throws. It was just a classic, ridiculous heat win. They'll have another 40 of those, um, and they'll play Boston tomorrow night. Boston's feeling good. A lot of Porzingis fever. It's funny. Pe- some people didn't see the preseason and didn't see, if you watch the preseason, just mm-hmm. the open threes of a seven-foot-four oh. guy who is almost like a free throw for him. So to watch that, I think in that next game, I think some people are like, oh my God, Porzingis. It's like, yeah. The question is, can he stay on the court? But matching them up against Miami, that Porzingis piece, where Miami doesn't really have any size. Yeah. And Miami was always able to, uh, you know, just throttle their half-court offense. I don't think it's going to happen this year. But, you know, they'll lose some other stuff. But what famous you, what famous you, last words in the Heat-Celtics yeah. matchup. So I, 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 wish, I wish you and them the best in that regard. But the Heat have a way of throttling a I lot know. of really They're good teams in those situations. They, they, they are throttlers. We'll see, though. I'm sure, the, I'm sure Miami, they've read everything. They've heard everything. I mean, so people oh, no the crown on Boston. Anyway, I have the Jalen Brown thing marked. Zion? Hmm. It still looks a little heavy to me, but athletically looked really good last night. And I thought it was encouraging, right? Were you encouraged? Definitely. I mean, it's encouraging that he's challenging Jaron Jackson Jr. in the air, right? It's not just bully on the ground, nudge him out of your way and try to finish with layups, but that he's going up in those situations. Those are really encouraging signs. You know, as usual, my concerns with Zion are much more like, is he ever going to guard anybody? Does he have a defensive position? What are they going to do with all that? I- I'm more yeah. concerned about that stuff. Offensively, he's just, he's so efficient. He's so good at getting to his spots inside. So good at finishing around people. Shouldn't be able to finish around. I feel pretty confident about him being a, a hugely impactful offensive player. I just, I really wonder about the other side. You and uh, Waz and Varier, you guys did great previews for us that I think are still going. I don't know. They somehow were longer <laughs> than perpetual. our previews. But you, you had a whole Zion conversation and just about like, what position is he ultimately if if your team is a 55-win team? And could he be like a stretch five? Seriously, like what, yeah, I where, don't know. Where do you put him? Who's the right person to put next to him? He really is this uh, enigma trapped in a riddle. It's it's <laughs> like a college basketball team just adding the best football player and be like, hey, this yeah. guy, he's good. We'll just figure it out. But this is like year, what is it, four or five for him? Year five? 
God, is it really? Year, yeah, two, no, maybe it's year four uh, or year five, one of them. But we're still trying to figure out what this is. Yeah. And what kind of team should be put with this person? Does he need a point guard? Does he need a rim protector next to him? I don't know. It's like he's going to be 30 and we're still going to be figuring it out. They're the anomalies that come into the league and we feel very dumb forever second guessing where they would fit. You know, like Draymond comes in. It's like, is he a three? Is he a four? How does like, what is he supposed to yeah. do? And it's like, oh, obviously he's one of the defining small ball players of his generation. Like, right. Clearly that one worked out. And then there are the anomalies that's just like, it never really is apparent where they should be or what they should do or how they should play. Like they always have some kind of very specific deficit in their game that makes it hard to slot them in. You know, if you have one of a kind players, sometimes you have to find other one of a kind players to play with them. And that mm. can be a very challenging process for a team in the Pelicans position. Like they have a ton of talent. They have a lot of depth, certainly, especially when all their guys are healthy. You know, they're, they're dealing with some, some shorthanding issues right now. But ultimately, it's hard to even concept, like conceptually think, who is the best player to put next to Zion? What does that player look like? How do you get them? All, every step in that process is hard. I don't think it's Brandon Ingram, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> another guy, another unicorny guy, the ultimate unicorn, Wembenyama, who yeah. unfortunately, the league didn't get the memo in time to the refs. Please don't put him in foul trouble during this first game. <laughs> People just want to watch him. Um, I think he's easier to fit around hmm. because he can play off the ball, he can play with the ball, he can play four, he can play five. He can protect the rim. He could just be in the middle, like how the Celtics use Porzingis, or he yeah. can be in the corner and jump out Rob Williams style. Um, he's, a, I think, a better passer than any of us were prepared for um, from the from the weird French highlights and the league like that. But uh, his strokes nice. I, he's just be, he's just further ahead than I was expecting, and I think what I wasn't really fully expecting was how much I'm going to be watching him this year, because it's one of those like. And I had the three TVs going. If he's on one of the TVs, I can't really focus on anything else when he's in. Like, I really can't. It's like having, like, one of your kids in a soccer game or something. Like, you're just kind of transfixed by it. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, especially if you have that kind of multi-screen experience, there are things where you're saying, you know, like, you're looking down, you're checking your phone, you're, you know, you're on your computer, whatever, and you'll just kind of casually look up. And the way he contests a three-pointer. It's from, so exciting. You know, way to, He's well, the most exciting three-point contester ever. Incredibly so. And it's like, disor it's legitimately disorienting where it's like, I'm seeing a movement on my screen I'm just not used to seeing, right? Like yeah. a blur of arm going to this shot that's like, hasn't arced yet, but is very much in midair. Did you see he almost blocked the Kyrie three at the end of the game last night? He missed it by like a fingernail. Absolutely insane. But can can you blame Kyrie for going for it? Like, you got to take that shot if you get that opportunity. That would have been an incredible moment. But this, I mean, like I was looking ahead for this weekend. Like, who are the teams that I need to check in with early that yeah. I really want to see? Rocket Spurs, I think, is appointment viewing for me this weekend. Like, yeah, I really want to I really want to see what Houston looks like. I haven't had a chance to check them out yet. And Victor, especially against young teams, especially against other young bigs. Like, I just want to see those battles. I want to see how these guys try to like comprehend everything that he can do and figure out ways around him. It's going it's to be such an interesting kind of like mental exercise all season long for the, the most clever, the most skilled bigs in the league to just figure out what to do with him. Yeah, and you could tell they're, they're amused by it in like a way oh. like, oh my God, I just can't believe this person exists. One of the things, the league is so deep, like you just think like this Friday night, the Heat Celtics we mentioned, Wemby's playing the Rockets. Yeah. Knicks Hawks, Trey yep. Young versus the Knicks. 
Nuggets, Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are already in like a little bit of a danger zone. I want to talk about them in a second. Um, and then uh, Warriors, Kings, which was an awesome playoff series. Those are just five of the games yeah. tomorrow night. We got a good and, Thunder game too. I think Thunder Cavs, which yeah, Thunder Cavs. I need to see more Thunder. I got a text out of the blue the other day from Kyle Mann that just said Jalen Williams is swole. So I need to get to the bottom of that situation. <laughs> I need to figure out what's going on with that. Um, well, there was a case on Wallace development with them in the first game. I have Thunder bets all over the place, so I'm I'm very invested in them for a variety of reasons. And uh, the Wallace piece coming off the bench, there's. There's some energy from their bench that is pretty unusual when you watch the other teams. Where like the, this is a team where they can actually go on a run with their mm. bench, which I thought uh, stood out. I am uncomfortably in on the case on, case on Wallace experience. Like I, yeah, just something about the way that guy plays, the tenacity, and you know, I'm sure the shot will come and go, but the flashes when it's been hitting. Yeah. Are just so impressive. I, I'm, I'm just a sucker for like a dogged perimeter defender, to be honest with you. And if you have any semblance of an offensive game, uh, sign me up. Sign me up for the the case on Wallace season pass. That team is a bitch to play. Like they're just like that is not. You had that game in your schedule. You're like, oh fuck these guys. A couple other quick things. Um. Oh, we'll say Memphis really quick. Like they're yeah. just too. They're just too small, and it's a lot of bane. And they're going to get the Marcus Smart experience of like the I got this Marcus Smart piece of everything where I actually think they could tailspin it a little bit in these 25 games without Ja now no Adams and you'll have the random game when Triple J gets into foul trouble. He gets three fouls in the first four minutes and the random could, game that, that yeah, might be the, the, yeah, the two out of every game. three games. Yeah. Right. I could see a start for them where they start out like five and ten or something where we're like, oh my God, what do the Grizzlies do? And I wonder like They've been a pretty patient team for the most part. Yeah. I don't know if they can be patient this year if they want to be in position when Ja comes back because the West is too good. So do you agree? Like, probably they need to make a move in the next couple of weeks. Like, especially if Portland looks as bad as they looked last night. Rob Williams is sitting there to be grabbed. Verno's been calling for that for a week. Somebody like that, right? I think especially the the Adams injury puts them behind that particular eight ball. And it makes the like a Williams trade or a trade for another big just make all the sense in the world if you can jump yeah. on one of those guys right now. I, they're a tough team to understand at this juncture just because historically, they've done pretty well without Ja, especially two seasons ago. They did yeah. pretty well when he was out for an extended period of time. I wonder how much of that is just like Grizzlies DNA and a thing they can replicate and how much of it was that moment in time, that collection of players, Tyus Jones, who isn't on the team anymore, just being like a rock solid backup option who you're slotting in versus, as yeah. you say, the Marcus Smart, like the ups and downs of living with Marcus Smart on an everyday basis, just a yeah. very different thing. Desmond Bain is going to have to do a lot. And you would hope that Jaron Jackson can flex out his offensive game a little bit too. It's just a little more matchup dependent for him. And when, he has it. when those nights aren't, like when those matchups aren't in the cards, I don't know where else they turn other than Bain forcing a lot of action, smart, taking basically whatever he wants out of some of those possessions. A lot of offense is going to dry up for them. So I, I agree. It's like if it was just Jaw, I would feel better. But that it's Jaw and the front court depth with Adams and Brandon Clark out, it's just a lot to compensate for. It's a lot to put on Desmond Bain's plate, even though he's, you know, he's one of the one of the best young scorers in the league, like a really impressive player who's gonna grow, but that's a lot. And they lost rebounding too, which they can't be happy about either. Yeah, I'm, I think that team, that's definitely a watch the first two weeks with that team because that could go sideways. I thought Washington and Portland were the only two teams that stood out over the first couple of days as just bad. 
I don't know if we have any other bad teams. I think Washington and Portland have a chance to be bad. A team that I was hoping would be good, and I picked them to make the playoffs, and I feel like I it was the right instinct, is Toronto. Yeah. New coach. They flipped out uh, Van Vliet, brought in Schroeder, who's having a Schroeder with, uh with the World Championships, the Lakers run last year. Um, I just like the vibe of that team. I want to see them again. I'm not going to say like, oh, I've watched one game. That team's going to win 45 <laughs> games. But there was an energy to them that they did not have last year. And I, I think what was alarming about them last year and the year before was it was like, what is this team? It doesn't even seem like they like each other. So do you notice that or no? The vibes were so horrendous last season yeah. that even just seeing a team like celebrating each other, like being being a little more into it on a collective basis, I think is pretty heartening. But also like individual defensive effort from guys like Siakam and Barnes. Like that stuff, I think, means a lot. Like those are two guys who can be very good defenders. Siakam can be an excellent defender. Barnes, yeah. I think, is still learning, but has all the tools to be one. And so seeing those guys like engaged and plugged in on a more like standard, regular basis does mean a lot. And Schroeder plugging in, and I mean, they didn't really miss a beat as far as like that kind of playmaking worked really well for them. As you said, I was honestly really impressed with who he turned out to be for the Lakers, not just offensively, but chasing defensively. That's something that Dennis Schroeder, again, historically has not always done. Yeah. And so another guy who like when everything, when his head is screwed on right, when the environment is right, can be a very impactful player. And I think they have maybe a couple too many of those guys stacked on top of each other to feel like they're going to be an excellent team. But if the energy is good in terms of how that group works together, I think they're going to be pretty formidable. I like them. And they beat a Minnesota team that I thought I watched probably the last, I watched the last 18 minutes of that game. And uh, I thought Minnesota was actually playing hard. And, you know, the, the Towns go bear thing, I have that kind of check marked. I want to keep watching it. It still doesn't look right to me. Towns made the biggest uh, mistake of the game. A couple mm -hmm. more quick things, and then we'll go. Simmons doesn't want to shoot still. And that's just where we are. And he can't play in the last four minutes of the game. He, Put up stats, he had some rebounds, he had some passes, he pushed the ball. But ultimately, I just don't think that's a guy that can be out there in the last five minutes of the game. What did you think? And that might be okay, right? Like, ultimately, I think you're probably going to want the ball more so with Mikhail Bridges, even more so with like yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie in some situations, just in terms of like who is willing to take that shot, who's willing to step up into those moments. I'm fine with slow playing Ben Simmons. Ro you want rotation guy Ben Simmons. I want rotation guy Ben Simmons. You're not Simmons. looking for all NBA Ben Simmons anymore. That guy's gone. I, if that ship hasn't sailed, it's getting ready to leave harbor <laughs> imminently. <laughs> the, crew, the crew is telling everybody <laughs> two minutes. They are taking uh -huh. the ropes off the dock. Uh, so, And I'm uh, honestly, genuinely, I'm cool with that. Like a guy who accelerates pace, who gives yeah. them a playmaker. Like the Nets don't have a lot of high-level passing on that roster, and that's why they get a little stodgy sometimes. So if, if he's even able to help connect some dots... I think that's a healthy thing for them. Yeah. Let's just let's just keep expectations extremely low and see if see if he can met out as being like a useful guy for them. Thought Charlotte looked a little better than I was expecting. They're not deep, but I thought their five played well together. I'm watching them. Um Cade Cade's back. That was good. That was a bonus. He's on my well, must hit list for the weekend. I got yeah, I, I got to see, see it Cade. Again. I he did a nice Cade. job against Miami. And then the last one for me and I you know, Dallas beats San Antonio. San Antonio, their over-under was 27 and a half wins. Like, don't, yeah. don't throw yourself a party because you barely beat the Spurs, right? 
I thought Lively looked really good in the game. And yeah. I don't know how real it was, but the thing I really liked was how hard he played. Like he really gave a shit. And that was the feedback about him preseason. I didn't love the pick. I didn't like that they were counting on a rookie center. But I thought he just, he, he played like 120% with athleticism. And compared to what they were getting from that position the last couple of years, I was like, all right, this is notable. I want to keep an eye on this because they maybe they do have something here. I never believed the Mavs are like this. Oh, this guy's going to be amazing. Like they they burned us too many times. <laughs> but I liked what I saw. What would you think? I think he profiles as exactly the kind of player you want with Luka. And I think the quality, when I think about who fits with Luka, there's a lot of skill sets that make sense. You know, D- Dwight Powell has eaten well for years now, yeah, just based off rolling off of Luca. Like that, those kinds of things make sense. With Lively, it's the same thing I see in Josh Green. It's the same thing I see in Tim Hardaway Jr. To be honest, which is like, who are the self starters? Like, who are the guys who energy wise are summoning it? Just because like they just have those bursts where they can make really hard plays, like go, yeah. go through sudden, like that that putback dunk that Lively had against the Spurs. That is an exceptional like. 97th percentile athleticism play, but yeah. it's also like a 97th athlete, like percentile energy play, right? To, to and I would say 97% fearless too. Like that, those are one of those, like I might crack my head open when I land type of dunks. 100%. And so to come out of basically being uninvolved in the primary action that led to the shot and make that kind of effort on the glass, like that's what I'm excited about for Derek Lively. Like that's where I see him being an incredible benefit to the Mavs because the reality is playing with Luke and Kyrie, there's going to be possessions where you don't touch the ball. There's going to be possessions where they don't even really look at you, right? Like you are there to occupy space yeah. and defenders and you have to draw it from within yourself to find a way to be involved. And that he can already do that this quickly, I think is a great sign. They play the Nets on Friday night and then they don't, I don't know what their next game is, but the schedule, it might lead up where they might have a good like first 10 days mm. and people will start feeling good. And then Kyrie will be like, you know what? I got to do something stupid. Here are my thoughts on something I shouldn't be weighing in on. I and can't then, wait. And then it'll take a 180. Look, but we got, we got some prime world events for Kyrie to weigh in uh, on. Kyrie, Kyrie's like, he's got a notepad out. Like, hmm, wonder if the world needs my thoughts on this. Uh, all right, that's it. I think we hit everything, right? Anything? Make some good rounds. I mean, a lot of good basketball yet to watch. A lot of teams I still need to see for the first time. So I'm 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 really excited for this first weekend to kind of level out spread the wealth a little bit, get some of these teams on League Pass I haven't had a chance to see. This is, this is, I mean, one of my favorite parts of the sporting calendar. It's always a great first couple weeks, but I also think we used to overrate it some years when the talent wasn't really there. Oh, sure. But we'd be like, oh my God, it's so great. Basketball's back. This year, like, I, I honestly, like I would say 75% of the teams I actually want to watch, which is pretty rare. I, I would say the list of teams I don't want to see is like probably less than six. I mean, you know, talent- like I'm good with the Bulls. I don't need to watch the Bulls anymore. <laughs> I'm good with the Wizards. Portland, I might check in in like February when they figure out stuff. But, you know, they're, they're for the most part, not the, a lot of these teams aren't skippable for me. Can I say one nice thing about the Wizards? Yeah. I, I thought Jordan Poole was a, a good citizen of the offense in his first game. Oh. Like kind of, kind of running the Wizards. Like I was expecting the full gunner experience from him. Yeah. And he and Kuzma both, to be honest, like I thought we're pretty patient, like trying to get guys involved, trying to run like some semblance of an actual thing. Hmm. And it didn't work out super well because they gave up 143 points. But I, I, I appreciate the effort is all I'm saying. Okay, there you go. Rob Mahoney. So we expanded group chat to uh, 
two times a week. Yeah. Sundays. Yes. Like right around, like maybe after like the or some early game. Yeah, we're the warm up act for your Sunday show. So you know, do, you know, doors at three p.m. You know, come for us and then check out Bill later. <laughs> we need more basketball on Sundays. There's so much going on. Absolutely. So Sundays and Wednesdays on uh, Ringer NBA, and then you know, you might make some prestige TV appearances mm. time to times too. Uh, thanks for staying up late with me. Good to see you. Thanks, Bill. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, Peter Schrager is here. You can watch him on Good Morning Football and you can see him on Fox on Sundays as well, going head to head against the best show on TV, Ringer Wise Guys. I, I oh. root for everybody, Shrags. I don't I don't pick favorites, except for I love the it. Ringer show, I picked that favorite. But other than that, I don't pick favorites. But you know my you know my affection for for House, for JJ, for you. Like I wish I could watch it. I'm sitting there trying to do it while I'm on, on set talking to uh Charles Woodson and his Hall of Fame jacket. I want to hear what JJ's got on the Jets. I have you on one of the other TVs so I can see your friendly face popping up there and it's wonderful stuff. We have a lot to cover, including your Celebrity Jeopardy appearance. (laughs) Um, I want to start here. It's week eight and I don't know who the favorite in the NFL is. And I was looking at the FanDuel odds and I don't remember everything being over four to one for all the teams. It might have happened before, but I just don't personally have a recollection of that. Casey is the favorite at plus 450 and San Francisco's there. and But like, why don't we have a favorite yet? Is it injuries? Is it just the, the league is deeper? What I is have, it? I, I have a couple thoughts and it's not like I'm giving you a thesis statement or dissertation, but if I can provide a couple thoughts, I think it'll lead to good conversation. The first is all of the really good teams have lost in prime time or big national games when everyone was watching. And I think that takes a little bit of the luster off these teams and makes the odd... Like if these were losses at one o'clock, it might be different. But 
We watched KC lose to Detroit. So we're like, well, they're not invincible. Then they played Denver on a Thursday night and the offense didn't click. So you're like, all right, KC, I don't feel the same way about KC. But everyone watched those two games. Philadelphia uh, goes up and plays against the Jets in the most watched Fox game of the year, which was that late window. And everyone watched Jalen Hurts throw three interceptions with 28 million people watching in the second half. So, eh, Philly, what a... The Bills have now lost to the Jets without Aaron Philly, Rodgers. Philly's six to one. San Francisco's five to one. Casey's plus four fifty. Okay, keep yeah. going. You know, the Bills have lost to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers and then looked terrible against the Giants in a Sunday night primetime game. And then they went to London where everyone did wake up and watch that morning game and they couldn't get out of bed and beat the Jaguars. And the last one is the Niners. You're going into this thing and it's like, all right, we've been watching the Niners win by 20 every single game. They get on primetime against the Vikings and they lose. So I think that's the maybe the the betting side and the 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 external media side from a football standpoint, oh boy, I I don't know if the football's ever been more, you know, just head scratching in a lot of ways. And I think it might be a quarterback thing. And I think about Buffalo, Cincinnati. I'm listening to teams here. KC, Dallas, I put in, Miami and Philadelphia. And I'd say those teams are set at quarterback, right? Other than that, you either have bridge quarterbacks you have declining quarterbacks or you have a rookie quarterback and Purdy with San Francisco is the one that's like an outlier. But I, I think that you're looking at this quarterback thing. It's like, okay, if you have a set quarterback that we know is good, we're not, you'll, but other than that, that's only like a handful of teams. That means there's a bunch of gobbledygook in the middle and you could say, yeah, well, cousins, I'm talking about the guys, the guys you talk about. Yeah. And if the, those teams all pick each other off, it's a quarterback thing. And there's so much turnover year to year in offensive systems and the way we want to do things that, I honestly think the quality of play at the quarterback position, as much as we did a Netflix series this summer, and we talk about these young, talented guys up and coming. I remember growing up and you can pick out 12 to 14 quarterbacks that were like the same guys for eight years on a team. And like, those were just the guys. Did you just do a, when I was growing up? Yeah. And my growing you're, up, my, my you're, you're officially different. like, you have, you have, how old's your kid now? I have a seven-year-old son. I like this. You're turning into like a, you're, Broaching toward middle-aged media member I, I wake him up and I'm like, I gotta send you a card. Let me tell you about Jim Everett and Chris Miller in the <laughs> NFC West. I think you really need to hear about these showdowns between Bobby Bear and Joe Montana. But yeah, yeah. you had the no. I, I, I like your theory though because I was trying to do my power poll. First of all, I couldn't believe that I had Dallas at seven. You have to. I don't like Dallas, but I had so the favorites are Philly, Casey, Baltimore, and San Francisco. But I don't know who the actual favorite is. I usually like to put somebody in that. Sp- in that spot. And I went with Philadelphia because I I think I trust their infrastructure the most with their offensive and defensive lines. And they have a couple playmakers and they have the tush push mm-hmm. and like Devonta Smith, who's been in a coma for five weeks. If you had him on your fantasy team, you're like just completely panicking, but I still think he's a good football player. I, I'm sure they're going to get a go one of the weeks. Yeah. They're getting Goddard going. Um, they're always going to be able to run the ball. They're still adding like they had Bayard from the from Tennessee. They just stole him for nothing. Um, so I think I trust them from a talent standpoint and from a, um, I think it could go sideways in the least possible ways. KC, Baltimore, San Francisco. I'm not going to trust Baltimore yet. I want to see Lamar play three straight healthy months. I should have put Baltimore get... in the in the quarterback conversation. By the way, if I was a double back, I don't think I had him listed because I was just doing a free. Yeah, game, that's but, fine. You're, but you're, to your dude, point, they you know they went to London and they. Beat Tennessee, but they they did it with six field goals. Like, I, yeah, it's you know a lot of people watch that game. So as much as the one o'clock Fox game where they crushed Detroit is everyone buzzing right now, 
all right, well, we saw a different version of them a week before. So that, that makes it hard to be like, they're the favorite. And you don't well, want to just be prisoner of the moment, which is what essentially we are in the media. Well, especially because the season is one third of a year long now. And I do oh. wonder if the length of the season ties into this because every game can't be a big game when the season is 18 weeks, including the bye. And you're going to let down. You're going to go up. You're going to go down. I have Detroit at, at number five. Still, okay. I and, thought last week was was a real humbling experience. And it was, and they were out of it immediately and they got their asses kicked, but I'm okay with that. I don't think that's a team that's built to play from 14 points down. Okay. Um, and I just think they got their asses kicked. I also think the running game situation with them was mm -hmm. not ideal. Um, you know, it was a bad week. They were banged up. Um, and it just, they they caught Baltimore in the wrong week with the, with the wrong kind of team situation. I still had them fifth. I have Jacksonville sixth, which I can't believe because I actually think they might lose to Pittsburgh this week. Absolutely Dallas right. seven. I have Miami eight and Baltimore nine. I, Miami's had so many injuries now. I'm starting to wonder if it's going to hit the point of no return. They got their asses whooped by Philly last week. Buffalo's lost too many people. And then I have the Michael Myers Steelers at 10. Our team. That's our team, dude. Four and That's two. Team. They're once again underdogs against Jacksonville this week. Most of the money's on Jacksonville. At uh, home. I, I just watched my East Coast bias guys today. All three of them were like, love Jacksonville. Oh my God. Oh, family play. And I, you know, how many times do we have to watch it with them? Yeah, They're going to be five and two in four days. You know, Pittsburgh, they'll 56 minutes into the game, you're banging your head against the wall. And then you look up at the final score and they won by three. And you're like, how'd they do that again? And it's not, it's just, it's, at some point, like it's a not a coincidence. Yeah. No, it's not. The but other then, thing I wonder is the other thing about like the league wide stuff, and I was talking about the quarterback position, but the new CBA put in a lot of rules. And I know this is like maybe Lombardi can go bigger on this. Or if you have on someone who's coached, you know, going back into the 90s, like, Offensive linemen and defensive linemen, they do not do like one-on-ones in practice anymore. So the offensive mm. linemen come in and by, by and large, they're not great anymore. And you come in, these guys come in from college and a lot of these college offensive lines and linemen are taught, you know, bullshit. And you've got to unwire their mind on how they played offensive line in college football and then teach them how to play NFL. And you can't do it in practice because you can't do one-on-one. -on -one. You can't do it in training camp. But then Week three, you need this guy to start at right tackle and he hasn't ever played in an NFL game. I think that stuff matters. It's not sexy. It's not as easy as saying the refs suck. But it is something that the offensive line play is atrocious right now and the defenses yeah. are dominating in every which way at the line of scrimmage. The people that love college football always talk about how there's a certain way a lot of these college football offenses play where it's just like shotgun snap, throw the ball quickly. They just kind of learn how to block one way and that's it. And then they get to the NFL and they have no idea what they're doing. They, You know, one other piece, I don't know how major this is, but it's definitely not nothing. They clearly changed the concussion policy this year. Ooh, and been... if you get a concussion, see you're out for the later. next week. You just yeah. are. Brock Purdy got a concussion Monday. We're not going to see him. They're like, oh, he might be. You're out. And it does feel like it's clearing out two guys per week on, you know, in, in games. So maybe it'll be one each, one on each team, two on one team, whatever. But it, I've noticed that more than usual, that guys are just scratched, you know? Well, I think I think the league responded to people crying on air and, and tweeting nonstop when Tua went down and was still in the game. And I think if it's yeah. an overcorrection, it's because they're playing it safe. But I'll give you an example. The Jets, right before the game last week, it's it's like, all right, Sauce Gardner is still in the concussion protocol. Um, well, then he had a bye week and now we're coming out of the bye week. And I, I don't know, I can't give you the measure of his concussion, but like 
it's Thursday we're recording this. Both he and DJ Reed, the starting corners, they're both, you know, Sauce still is in the concussion protocol and still has not been cleared to play. And I think right. they're being very safe about that. But that's your best defensive player. That's huge. Yeah. Right. In the old days, hey, Sauce, get back out there. Yeah. <laughs> How's your head feel? Okay. Yeah. You're good. You know, the other thing with the league, and this usually happens when we get to the teens, but I had just my rankings were Cleveland 11, even though they have no quarterback, Seattle, Cincinnati. I think they could go either way. I would, I would look at Cincy's schedule. I'm pretty worried about them being able to turn it around because every week they're playing a banger. Seattle, same thing. They have some tough games coming up. Mm-hmm. They got San Francisco twice in three weeks. And then you have Houston and the Rams at 14, 15, and Atlanta at 16. And then it drops, for me at least, Tampa, Jets, Minnesota, 17, 18, 19. And then you get to the Chargers at 20. I'm crossing them off. Um, just listing all those and then looking at the schedules and stuff, it's really set nicely for Houston to be either a possible contender in their division or um, maybe like a sneaky seven seed because the AFC wasn't as good. But their schedule is abominable. So when you... like. Do you believe it? I know you lo- you love D'Amico Ryans, the C.J. Stroud, hard not to love. Is it far-fetched to think that that team could win 10 games for you? Yeah, we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm not buying it yet. And then they went out and beat Pittsburgh. And then they won yeah. a, tough, a tough one against the Saints where like it was back and forth and their defense stepped up in the red zone. And of course, we could blame Derek Carr for that. But it was the defense that played well. Listen, Bill, I... In today's NFL, when 14 teams make the playoffs and schedules can go a million ways, of course they can win 10 games. They have to win seven games the rest of the way. They're already three and three. They've had their bye week, and they're only going to get better with a rookie quarterback who's going to develop and develop into you know whatever he, he wants to be this rookie year. He's going to be better this week than he was his first week. But I can't say in good faith, like looking at like their roster, that they're any better than you know some of those other AFC teams and like that the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, is D'Amico Ryan's going to coach circles around you know John Harbaugh in a big game, or is he going to be able to? Is Bobby Slowick going to be able to outwit Vic, Vic Fangio? Like I'm just giving up different AFC teams. It's week, it's week eight. We could say, yeah, this team's the team, but I did that with Tampa after they went on the bye, and they've lost two terrible games since. So I want to be right. careful still um, on crowning Houston as much as I love what that team is doing. Can I give you their schedule? Let's go at Carolina this week. Tampa home at Cincy, Arizona, Jacksonville, Denver, all in a row at home at the Jets at Tennessee, who might at that point have completely packed it in. They don't really have a hard game over the next day except for at Cincy. And who knows with Cincy? Jacksonville. Well, I'm saying that 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 at least is home. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. They won't be favored at home against Jacksonville and they won't be favored in that Cincy game. Maybe they won't be favored at the Jets game, but you know, they're a scheduled team for me. And the other scheduled team for me is the Falcons, who I w- I've watched a lot of their games this year and somehow I've so, had action on a bunch. And boy, are they a roller coaster. Uh, so, but so, they have... Well, Arthur, Arthur Smith also wears it on his face very well. The exact feelings of every fan. His look of despair is just so meme-worthy. <laughs> right. At Tennessee this week... Seems like the they're minus two and a half. It's I like think. please come Rookie take quarterback us. If we'll come love on, yeah, yeah. Tennessee's packing it in. Uh, home Minnesota at Arizona by home New Orleans at the Jets. Home Tampa at Carolina. Home Indy at Chicago at New Orleans. It's like they're not playing anybody for ten for ten weeks. So we see this too, where it's like you just we looked up last year with the Vikings. Like what the fuck? They're going to win thirteen games. 
I don't know if the Falcons have it in them. And Ritter, again, it's just strap it on, man. Put not yeah. only the seatbelt on, but the shoulder harness when yeah. you're betting on him. But they do have a lot of talent. I think they're like pretty good. They are. And defensively, they're good. Ryan Nielsen's got those guys playing. At Ritter, to me, doesn't, doesn't, do, doesn't do much. I don't know what they see in that. Like they were, They're so steadfast that he's their guy. And I talk to Arthur a lot. Like They have the full support of Desmond. And I'm yeah. like, Heineke's the backup. Like I've seen Heineke win games. Like give it a shot. Right. But they're in on Ritter. Um, yeah, and it's like Falcons, Texans, like that. Those do feel like they could be very easy the seventh wild card team in the AFC. And then we're like, all right. And then they go and they get you know whatever happens in the wild card round. And then next year they're the hype teams because they're young and they're on the move and they made the playoffs. I, sure, you know. But I very easily. Well, could you say, say sure. Let me give you the playoff odds. Okay. Let me give you Atlanta to make the playoffs and Atlanta to win the division. First okay. of all. Atlanta is minus 178 to make the playoffs. Almost two to one odds that you'd have to lay for them to make the playoffs. So they aren't just like slightly favored to make the playoffs. They're like legitimately favored to make the playoffs. I'm surprised by that. Okay. It's not like they've been playing dominant football by any means. I think it's schedule related. And then the division, not only are they the favorite, even odds. Bet 500 bucks, win 500. Bet 100, win 100. Bet 10, win 10. Um, Vegas has looked at the numbers and they have looked at uh looked at the schedule and and they have all collectively all the sports books everybody have decided like this team's a really prohibitive favorite to win it's this like division basically. They're first place in week 8 and that's our pick. It's like all right, I don't Bizarre. know. Yeah, okay. And then what about Houston? So Houston plus 184 to make the playoffs. That seems a little more normal. And then plus 450 for the division. Yeah. I and think Jackson, over Jacksonville under. could be a runaway train right now, Jacksonville. And I know they're playing Pittsburgh and that's going to be like, Jacksonville's got a nice little cushion. They got a little thing going here. Houston's over under for wins is eight and a half, which I think before the season was probably four and a half. Yeah, so that, that probably. might be the biggest jump that we've had. But again, like their next day, I could see um, two hard I could, ones. I could see him winning coach of the year, D'Amico. I could see Stroud winning offensive rookie of the year. And then I could see Casario who had to walk through Two right. years of mud and shit to get to this point. He might be executive of the year because it's it's an interesting balance. They do have some like like Robert Woods makes plays for them. Like they've got veteran yeah. guys that are out there doing it. Like uh Shaquille Griffin is like one of their good corners. And it's like, gosh, he's been on a couple teams. So they've got a nice mix of obviously the young guys, but some of these older veterans have come in and offered some veteran presence, which is cool too. So Jacksonville's next seven. And again, they're heavy favorites. They're uh you know, I think they're like minus five fifty for the division. But their next seven, they have the sneaky Pittsburgh game. They got to buy San Fran, home Tennessee, at Houston, home Cincy, at Cleveland, Baltimore. There's some good defenses, that's a tough and some run. good pass rushes in there. Yeah, that's you a really know? tough and run. I'm interested to see. You know, they got their left tackle back. They've looked better the last couple of weeks, and you know they played pretty well in that Saints game. But I also thought the Saints were horrible. And they had Horrible. their last three games, if you really think about it, two London games, which the London games just shake the snow globe. You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Yeah. Like Buffalo goes there and basically their whole season flips. Um, then they have a Thursday night game against the Saints. Thursday nights are like, who knows? Yep. Anything yep. can happen. You have the Bears scoring 40 points on a Thursday night. So now we're like, oh, Jacksonville, they're for real. I had them sixth in my power rankings. We haven't seen them play a normal Sunday game in four weeks. Yeah. Now they have to go into Pittsburgh. Yellow towels. 
crowd waving. You know their field goal kicker or miss a field goal in the little first red, half. Little sticks renegade blasting yeah. in the fourth quarter. You know yeah. Watt will do something. Oh my God, Watt. Oh, he tipped a pass to himself and got an interception. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like this could be a hard game for them. But the one thing that I noticed with them, and I have them on all my fantasy teams, so it's hard not to notice, but ETN has been um, excellent. I would say like maybe like a top five running back, right? Dude, he has two touchdowns, I think, in back-to-back games. He's, he's electric. He a, he's a first-round pick for a reason. It just takes yeah. a little time. He was injured the first year, and last year, just kind of like a split carries. He's really electric. And again, buried in that market. Two games played at 9.30 a.m. recently. Uh, you know, yeah. a Thursday night game. Not everyone's watching the Jaguars, and they're all you know, already behind the eight ball because they're the Jacksonville Jaguars in that media market. But ETN has been fantastic for them. And so has the receiving core. I think Christian Kirk's been great. Ridley's been great. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence was barking a little bit after the game. It was like, tell the, like something about the analysts. Like he was upset, like, all right, cool. Like a little swagger is good out of that team. So yeah, they're good. They're good yeah. too. Congrats. You barely beat Buffalo when they <laughs> lost three guys during the game and had just flown into London two days ago. I don't, I don't think the Bills have been the same since Matt Milano went down on that floor, man. I'm telling you, I think that was the moment for the Bills that changed everything. I think he's the most underrated defender in the league. And well, they lost Daquan Jones too. Yeah. And Trey White. Worried about them. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra. Not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Picture this, stacks of sweet brown sugar bacon on delicious Arby's sandwiches you already love. Does that sound like a feast for your senses? Well, Arby's brown sugar bacon sandwiches are back for a limited time. Available in BLT roast beef and turkey sandwiches. Try Arby's brown sugar bacon sandwiches today. You can order the sandwiches online or on the Arby's app. You can tap the banner or you can visit this episode's page to learn more. Limited time offer at participating U.S. locations while supplies last. All right, a couple more teams I wanted to hit. I think the consensus is since he's fine, Burrow's better, we'll be hearing from them. A couple red flags. Over under on FanDuel right now is eight and a half wins. They're three and three. So that makes me a little suspicious. Like, why isn't there over under nine and a half? There's been some action. You look at their next six at San Francisco this week, Buffalo home, Houston home, at Baltimore. Home Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Maybe six playoff teams in a row. It's pretty good. And uh, from what we've seen from Cincy, I trust, I personally trust them a little more than most because we watched them last year. They got better as the year went along. They have an excellent defensive coordinator. They have talent on both sides of the ball. As Burrow gets healthier, he's just going to win games by himself. But the line this week is weird. And it moved down a little bit. It didn't move down as much as I thought. We got Sam Darnold almost definitely QBing for the 49ers. And 
kind of a must-win game for the Bengals in some degree. Because if they go three and four with then they're playing five straight AFC teams after that. All of them are potential playoff teams. Um, I don't know. They just got to show up. They're 21st in DVOA, 23rd offense, 19 defense. We just have not seen a lot of signs yet. I know you monitored that team pretty closely. What are you yeah. seeing? I believe in them. I think there is a, you know, I spoke to Lou Anarumo, who's their defensive coordinator, and I was talking to him about like how their defense has actually been leading the way the last few weeks, and their offense is, which usually is, it's Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Boyd, and everyone follow us, and the defense hold your own. Defense has been really good, and so, you know, you have all these young guys. They lost Jesse Bates they, in the last couple of years. They've lost Eli Apple and Von Bell and all these guys in the back end, and they've got all these young ones. Cam Taylor-Britt, who shut down DK Metcalf. Yeah, um, this other kid Turner out of Michigan who's been good. So how do you? He goes, we have something that the the Yankees used to have. And I was like, all right, here we go, baseball. What do we got? He's like, we have a core four on our defense that hasn't changed. It's core BJ four. Hill, BJ Hill, DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, and Trey Hendrickson. And in the last few years, those guys they don't miss games. They always show up, and they're the ones who kind of lead the way. And then you've got your Asai and Jermaine Pratt, and I could just I could do whatever naming names, but the core four. And I'm like, oh shit. So offhand. I was like, I was in a conversation with him. I'm like, all right, let me try this. I'm like, all right, we got Mariano. We got Jeter. We got, I'm like, who is that? We got Pettit. Do you know who the fourth of the core four was, Bill? It was Bernie Williams. I thought so too. Jorge Posada. Oh, it was Posada. You're right. I was like, I was like, who's the, because they, Bernie predated all of them. Bernie was there in like Andy Andy Stankiewicz and Pat Kelly years. Uh, yeah. We could talk early 90s Yankees if you want. I'm here for that. Uh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, it, all that So who's like, Jeter out of those four? Hendrickson? I guess, right? And he's a free agent signing they got from New Orleans, but he's been one of the best free agent signings in football over the last few years. And Hubbard, Cincinnati kid, went to Ohio State. So he's State, Jeter. Yeah, He's probably he's Jeter. Jeter. He's like their guy. But I say, you know, these are not household names. There is yeah. not a Miles Garrett. There is not a TJ Watt. There is not a Micah Parsons. And yet... That's what kind of gets the and I, to me. You're mentioning Jacksonville and Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and it's like no one's played in bigger games than those than those yeah. Bengals players. And to Against me, good quarterbacks too. Yes, and and Emmer, whatever happens at halftime, and you know, Lou's pretty honest with it. He wanted that Arizona job last year, and it went to Jonathan Gannon, and that's fine. They went their direction, but like, there's no one better in football than that guy at halftime adjusting and confounding these opposing quarterbacks, whether it be Mahomes all those times or Josh Allen all those times. We're, so when you listen Sam to those, Darnold this weekend. And exactly right. So when you're listing these teams on paper, it's like, oh yeah, wow, those are all playoff teams. But to me, I think the Bengals and their defense, they 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 can hang with any of those teams. And I think they're as well coached as anyone on the defensive side of the ball, at the very least, that they'll be able to hang with those squads. And I think we'll be talking about them in January, even so. Yeah, and and then there's the Burrow it factor that came two weeks ago, and they were like, Joe just wasn't losing that game. Like, all yeah. the teammates talking about it. Yeah, because you could flip it around and go, all right, they got Sam Darnold this week. They have banged up, super weird Buffalo next week. They got a super young Houston team after that. At Baltimore, they always play them well. Home Pittsburgh, the Michael Myers team, but, you know, Kenny Pickett on the road is yeah. going to get to 20 points. So far, and then at Jacksonville. All those are winnable. To me, that's five wins, and you, know, yeah. you lose one of those. The the Baltimore thing's interesting. So Baltimore and Cincinnati, you think of the great rivalries. You think of Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Like I could tell you, no one coaches on both sides of the ball. Like They don't like each other, Baltimore yeah. and Cincinnati. So when Lamar was having his MVP season, they would put up 50 on the, on the Bengals, and Bengals were awful. It was like early Zach Taylor years. And then 
last year when Lamar was out and it was like Huntley and you know Cincinnati obviously was looking to put it to them and it, it goes back and then they had that great playoff game last year. So Baltimore Cincinnati like that's an underrated rivalry and I think before we crown the Ravens like the Bengals aren't done yet this season. I could see them coming from behind here. FanDuel seems to think they're done because the over under being at eight and a half says to me that uh, you know the sharps out there aren't believers. I I think that's too low. The other one, San Francisco's over is 11 and a half on FanDuel. And I was like, man, that seems low. And then I was like, man, that seems high. And I just, I, I don't even know what to think. Like, who knows? Um, the Patriots are playing at Miami this week. And Miami is super banged up. Like, wait, uh-huh. we're taping this on Thursday morning. I don't know if Tyreek's playing. I don't know if Mostert's playing. They're already missing a bunch of guys on the Miami side. Their offensive line is not good. And really has not been good. Lombardi's talked about this on his podcast about how uh, everything McDaniel does is basically to disguise the fact that his line can't block and he's just really good at it. But there's some games when, you know, Pat's played pretty well against them and Mac cost them the game a few weeks ago. The Pats are getting nine and a half. The Pats, next five after this game, they have home Washington, home Indy, bye week at Giants. And then home chargers. And I saw that. And I'm like, am I getting sucked back in? The indie I, games could somebody indie just game. hit me over the head with a baseball bat? I don't want to get sucked back in. I was rooting for them to tank five days ago, Shrinks. Turn the TikTok camera on. <laughs> the indie games in Frankfurt, which is interesting because I I was in Germany oh, that's last right. year. And we're in Germany. I was doing the the Munich game last year, the two Munich games. We were there for good morning football, and it was pretty cool. And I was blown away with all of the Patriots fans in Germany. The Patriots were not playing in Germany. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was explained to me that in Germany, on their network, whatever it is, they play one game a week from America for throughout the early 2000s. So think about who was winning all those games. So they've kind of been adapted as Germany's team, the New England Patriots, wow. because they only would get one game a week and it was usually Brady versus whoever. So they were fall- so I think that one is going to be really interesting crowd in that it might feel like it's going to be a neutral field but I think there are a lot of people living in Germany who grew up Patriots fans and that one could be a home field advantage in a major way for them all that to you, be said by the way you know you know when that happened was in the 60s with the NBA because they, they would go? just show Russell and Chamberlain every week. So then in the next generation... And, and then it, it was, was like all these Sixers Celtics fans because those were the two teams that were just on for like eight years. Yeah, and if you look around in like airports, you'll still see a lot of guys in Steelers and Raiders jerseys. I think it's the same effect that in the 70s... Yeah, that was my generation. These, Steelers, was, Raiders, Cowboys. Because we would it. have kids when I was in like kindergarten, first grade in, in the Boston area. And the Pats weren't good yet. They weren't good until 76. Yeah. But there were kids who were like, I'm a Vikings fan because of sure. Sammy White. I'm a yeah. Cowboys fan. I'm a Steelers fan. And we're like, what about the fucking Patriots? Yeah, they're, the kids got the Chuck right Foreman, the Chuck yeah. Foreman jersey. Like, like, really? You're a Steelers fan, you fucker? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's what happens. The bandwagon, the bandwagon potential. So you're saying Germany's on the Pats bandwagon. I think Germany's on the Pats bandwagon. I would notch of all those games that one, but I think you're crazy if you think based on that one win last week, you think the Patriots can go on a run. And I'm not being good. Like I don't want. I, wa- I, I don't, don't want to talk myself into it. Do so this thank for you. You You ever have a friend, you know, who keeps on like, you know, going back to that same girl, and this just isn't the time for it. I mean, you can go back to the Patriots, dude. Obviously, and I just, I don't, I don't see it. But I also think they were just good enough last week that they're not going to be sellers at the trade deadline. They're not going to be shopping off all these guys, whoever's left. So you're kind of in purgatory with them. One quick note, interesting timing on the Ian Rappaport uh, 
report that Bill has signed a multi-year contract over the offseason? I feel like he signs an extension every year. I was going to say, I, not first of all, I know everyone at the league and all that stuff, like the league offices, like they don't know what Belichick makes. I don't think they've ever seen a contract. I don't know if Belichick is still represented by an agent. All that stuff is so backroom between him and Kraft. Like there might be yeah. three people in the world who knows about that? And it's Belichick and it's Jonathan and Robert Kraft who would even know like what it is. And Rapport got a story and you're like, well, how did he get story? And who leaked it? You can get into all that and why it came out. But it there was some heat on that seat going into this week. And of all the times to kind of just say, hey, get the dogs off. That, yeah. It might have just been, hey, here's two years and Mayo's taking over after the second year. You know, it could have been a, that's multi-year, that's whatever it is. But I do think. Those guys played their asses off, and that talk of Belichick being on the Belichick being on the hot seat like immediately went away. And it was like, all right, that was such a necessary win last week for just the rest of the season, and it might come back if they lose this week and all that. But like, I, I just thought it was an interesting report, which is accurate, I'm sure, and then an interesting reaction from the team and from the way it was handled moving forward. Because then they asked him about it, and he was like, "I do not talk about my contract." It's like, all right, but someone was talking about your contract and kind of put that at bay for a little bit. I interpret it as the season could go either way and it's probably going the wrong way. And if we have to tank, just know that he's here for the long term and he would be participating in the tanking decisions. Now, you could argue last week, I mean, they did a couple things that they just hadn't done for six weeks. One of them was play their receivers who actually can get open. Pop looked great. what a crazy, what a crazy idea to play Bourne and Pop Douglas, who both can actually get open and then make plays after they catch the ball, unlike everyone else in the receiving core. And then uh I, I'm gonna throw this name out. He's a borderline fantasy pickup, but this guy Farrell Brown they have, who's this converted offensive tackle, basically. Yeah. Um he he makes big plays for them. He had a big play called back last week, but then he had another big play, and it just seems like he makes two 25-yard plays a game. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I was really impressed by them last week. I thought they played well. And I think this Dolphins game is a nice spot for them because they played them well. It's a division game. And uh, I think they're giving up too many points, but I don't know, I'm not said, sucking myself back in tricks. That said, last week they played their best game of the season and it took, they almost gave it away. And Mac Jones had to go 80 yards heroically to like win it, but right. like they were winning the whole entire game. And then Josh Allen, they set the, that up just for Mac. Just to, I guess to make you're the right. In the 52nd minute. That was it. They told Bourne to fumble. Um, Browns are, are at the Seahawks and this Deshaun Watson story, which has been weird from the moment they made the trade. I don't know why they played him yesterday. He had, I, I, I've never seen, he had five throws and two of them were the worst throws of the entire season. They took him out. He seemed fine with it. Uh, To me, this is, I guess why you don't guarantee football contracts where you have a guy who has been a disaster from the moment he showed up and was just on the sidelines, didn't seem like he cared if he was out there or not. They're cutting him on the sidelines and he's just kind of like watching like everybody else. And um, this is the weirdest story, I think, of of this decade so far, this Watson thing. From the moment they made the trade, the fact that he didn't want to go there, they guarantee the deal so to try to convince him to go there. Um, he's got all these allegations and things he has to settle legally that just, you know, immediately turns it into you're on one side or the other. Then he shows up and he's aggressively mediocre or worse aggressively for the mediocre. entire time he's on there. And he doesn't look anything remotely resembling Deshaun Watson from three years ago. And it just seems like it's getting worse, not better. 
the shoulder injury is a legit injury from what I'm told. So that's just yeah. put that there. Okay, fine. Um, let's talk about the quality of play when he's out there. It's substandard. It's not in the top 20 quarterbacks. It's not now. It's not in the top 25 probably. And then when they put PJ Walker in, it seems like the, the offense moves just the same, if not better And then really how they're going to win games this year, which is what they've done. And they've got a fantastic record is the defense is going to have to lead them. And Jim Schwartz's defense has been absolutely insane. And this past week, Special teams, they had two 50-yard field goals and a blocked field, and they had a blocked field goal on their, their own. So, like, they're going to be one of those teams that wins with defense and special teams, and yet they have the highest guaranteed contract in the history of the sport at quarterback. And everyone's just kind of, like, shrugging. Like, well, my my thought process in this is, like, go back to that March, whenever that all went down, and there was a bidding war for Deshaun Watson, and Cleveland basically said, we're going to give you what no one else will. We'll give you the the... The, the guaranteed contract. Yeah, we're which, the Browns. We, nothing good happens to us. I guess we're going to have to do the dumbest thing possible to try to get you. And the reaction from, I was at the league meetings and the reaction from the owners was like sickness from those owners yeah. that they, that, that the Browns did that. And yet they were like, you know what? We're the Cleveland Browns. We've had 21 quarterbacks in 23 years. We're not getting over the home of Baker. And I almost was like, you know what? Shit. They're going to take a public relations hit and the fans, it's going to be a very difficult thing. They're going for it. They want to, they want to do what's best for the football field. They go for it. The football hasn't been there. So here's my question. Those teams, Atlanta and Carolina were both very in on Deshaun Watson. If you were to say to Atlanta and Carolina, would you right now trade for Deshaun Watson? Nobody's right trading now, for him. Right? I don't even think contract aside. They would take. I, I think Carolinas would rather have Bryce Young than Deshaun Watson, and I think Atlanta would rather have the locker room that they've well, got. This was like basketball, and and they could just flip him to Denver for Russell Wilson, and it's just like, oh, the salaries match. We can just do this trade. I don't even think Denver would do that. I don't know if they would, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think Russell Wilson is exactly lighting it up in Denver this year. Even even though he started no. off better numbers, I would that Russell Wilson last week not good. So it's sad. It's it's actually kind of a bummer to watch. Which Different Russ, than Deshaun. Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun just seems stuff. like a like a shadow what, of himself. Russ just Sal. seems old. He said it was Sal. You see him and he starts doing the Russ thing and he's running and he just can't run anymore. And like the pass yeah. is just not there. You guys said it. I think it was Lombardi or Sal early in the season. Like at some point Stidham's going to go in. And I haven't spoken to Peyton about that, but it's like you can't watch those games with Russell, especially the Thursday night game against the Chiefs where they have 85 yards off. You can't watch it and objectively yeah. be like, you can't, this guy's job is unassailable. Like, so I think you're right. I think if he keeps on losing, we're going to see sit him. But back to, to the Watson thing, you know, the numbers aren't there. They're, they're, they're winning games without him. And they just signed PJ Walker to a one-year contract, which basically gives him the stability that you are the guy for now. But yeah. PJ hasn't lit it up either. So it's just one of the things like, how far can you get if you're the Browns with with what they have on offense, which, you know... PJ can control. at least make the one throw a quarter yeah. To somebody and make like he's not like a complete this or he'll run he'll run around and you know create a first down somehow. But he's not a complete disaster. No. Um he's like a C minus. I just my whole like in today's NFL when we talk about the quarterbacks and the offense and how I don't know if if we go to the playoffs, if Cleveland can A, they could probably make it, but B, if they can with Watson under center, the way he's playing, I don't know if you can win a playoff game with just defense and special teams. And it's not their fault that they lost Chubb. And I think Cooper and Moore and Ford, they're they're good players, but like the quarterback position is huge and it's it's a major area for them. So that it's amazing to me for what they pay him that that might be what holds them back from being a great team. Can I talk you into Seattle plus four fifty to win the NFC West? Let's do it.
if they win this game and then San Francisco loses that Cincy game and all they of a sudden died, it's like, right? whoa, look at this. Yeah. Oh, they they still haven't played each other yet. Um, Minnesota, I didn't get to talk about them on the podcast because that was the Monday night game when, um, yeah. you know, it turns out Purdy was probably concussed and that might have helped them a little bit. But also Minnesota hung around. Addison finally had his, oh, you're going to be like a special one, it looks like. He had one of those games, and it was a nice win. Then you go backwards. There are four losses. They lost to Tampa by three, Philly by six, Chargers by four, and Casey by seven. They were in all those games. Coming up, at Green Bay, at Atlanta, New Orleans, at Denver, Chicago, bye week, at Vegas. So they might not play in a, an above 500 team for almost two months here. Uh, and then they have this Packers game. The Packers were so bad in that Denver game. Oof. And I had that a million dollar picks. I had in real you had life. The Packers? Yeah. I did. I, I was like, they're, they're going to score at least 20 points. That should be enough. Not only did they not score 20 points, but that was the first time where I felt like love might not have it. Yeah. Like he just might not have it. So this seems like a nice spot for them. They're 16th in DVOA, by the way, the Vikings. 14th offense, 15th defense. Seems like a nice spot. So why are they only one and a half point favorites? Yeah. They're, look, they're going to go as far as Cousins is going to take them. And this year he's been really good. And the offensive line, which was such an eyesore, so it was great. You know, against San Francisco, they give up zero sacks and only right. six hurries. But, Bill, it was 22-17. They bring out our boy Greg Joseph, who we've lived and died with over the last... Uh, he misses that kick, and Purdy's at the 50, down five. And if he's not concussed, or if he throws... You know, they yeah. probably lose that game. So it's one of those where it's like, yes, you want to get it on the Vikings, and yes, all this stuff. Defense looks great, and Brian Flores has been playing better. Um, no Jefferson is still huge to me. And and I don't think they have a running game to speak of with Akers and and mm. Madison not exactly laying it up. So it's on Cousins again. And Cousins' numbers are fantastic this year. Um, I don't know. Do you see them as a special team this year? Do they go on one of these runs? No, I don't. But I, I'm trying to figure out, can I get who's my sixth and seventh in the NFC? They, to me, they're the Anton Shigor coin toss team this year. Yeah. Which is like, they're in all these games in the fourth quarter and then flip a coin. And you might have the one week where Cousins has a tip pick. You might have the next week where their defense does something and all of a sudden are they you, win. Are you out on my Rams? They can't block. It's a struggle. Their offensive line seems like, you know, they'll come out in these games and Sean's so good and the first quarter look really nice and crisp and they'll have that first 20 plays. And then by the time you get to the two-hour mark of the game, it starts getting a little gamey. And then all of a sudden Stafford's running around for his life um, it just doesn't seem like they have enough. But on the other hand, um, they they have two guys who just seem like they can get open whenever they want. <laughs> it's pretty good. They, they can just block for Stafford long enough. I thought Henderson was really good last week. I didn't and, know where he was for two years. The, he was hurt. The other kid was good too. Uh, yeah. They had Royce Freeman. He had 66 yards. They were moving the ball. And then, you know, the, the pick six was a killer. Uh, killer. Not pick six, but the Watt plays a killer. And then again, Sean, by the way, just had a baby on Tuesday. Congratulations. Um, he, he was beside himself and he didn't speak out publicly. Obviously, you could see the face, but the pass interference call, they called on Weatherspoon there at the end of the Ooh. game. And then Deontay Johnson taunts him. They get offsetting and then you get the spot. And it's amazing. He didn't have any timeouts, so he couldn't review it and they lose yeah. on that. And I love, I watch everything. And, you know, 
some of the criticism was like, well, that's because McVay's an idiot for wasting his timeouts when he called his last timeout to change out of a third down play and then they end up scoring a touchdown on that play. And my thought on that is, and he's been in baby world the last few days, but like my thought on it from the outside is, is the officiating so bad? Is it so wretched that we blame coaches for not saving a timeout in the in the emergency that they might need one from a terrible call? Yeah. Like that 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 to me is not an explanation. I thought they outplayed Pittsburgh. They had an unfortunate ending there with the timeout and with how they couldn't get that play reviewed, but they stopped them on fourth down clearly. And that's a big loss, but I don't think that team is necessarily going to fall off the wayside and they might lose to well, Dallas playing, this week. They're playing Dallas getting almost the touchdown. And it just seems like a classic throw Dallas and a tease. The Rams can't block Cowboys defensive line. I'm yeah. not touching that game. I'm, that's I, a complete stay away from me. That's what I'm saying, I don't man. like teams getting a lot of points that can throw the ball and get cheap touchdowns and be down 13 with two minutes left. And then, you know, just keep going down. The Rams so I got, are... I've got Seahawks. I've got, obviously the, I got Seahawks or Niners winning it. I'm writing this down. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys, right? So there's your four. You need three more teams. You need someone in the NFC South. So let's say Atlanta. There's your fifth. Seattle. Um, I said, yeah. So I got Seattle, San Francisco, Philly, Dallas, Dallas, Atlanta. You need an NFC North team. Let's say the Lions. Detroit. That's so there's six. one more team. So is it Minnesota? Maybe, but pick your poison. I mean, it could be the Saints might rally. It could be the Giants. No, I don't see the Giants. Um, you it could be it. the Rams. It could be the Rams. So that's that's where we're at. You have seven teams. Half the conference makes it. So it's like, I don't know. I like the team. Packers before the year. And uh, it just seems like they've had too many injuries now. And Love might not be the guy, unfortunately, yeah. for them. Hey, they also got we, nothing from Watson. Can we quickly talk about one team that we haven't mentioned? And I don't think yeah. they're going to the playoffs, but it's my favorite story of the year. Can we talk about Tyson Bajan? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Hold on. Save that because that was my yeah. last thing. I'd have this tease that I was looking at with the Lions over the Raiders and the Chiefs over the Broncos. Just quickly on the Raiders. What's going on with the Raiders? <laughs> that was one of the worst. That losses. was the saddest team last week. Like, it I honestly looked like yeah. they were kind of quitting on everything. And, and I don't know. The McDaniels quote, was alarming too. He's like, they're like, why didn't you start Aiden O'Connell? And he's like, it's because it's not the preseason, Josh. <laughs> like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, Hoyer, Hoyer's like, you know, yeah. almost Hoyer, my age. Hey, Hoyer had a couple passes to a guy who was bold enough after two wins to speak out in the media who just dropped them. Devontae Adams dropped yeah. two passes. They're a confounding team and the the Raiders, I can't get behind them, but like they've got so many great skilled players that it's confusing because Max Crosby is an absolute nightmare to block. And then you have Jacobs, who's a good running back and Adams, who should be a great receiver. And Jacobs uh, is a good running back who hasn't, he's running like two nine and carry this year. Like I would trade Adams yards. if I were them. I just don't think, I don't think it that, makes sense to have Adams if you don't have good quarterbacks <laughs> and couldn't they get a first rounder and something else for him right now? I think. And like, I've seen a lot of people in my world, and I guess we're now so scared. We, I say the collective we, a lot of guys are so scared to like come at the player directly and question their thing because of player empowerment. I'll think like, I really didn't like the timing of those quotes. And I like Devonte, and I think he's as good as it gets when he's with the right system and quarterback, obviously, or not even that. That's not fair to him, but you know what I mean? He's one of yeah. the best wide receivers. It's unbelievable. Um, for the Raiders to be like, no, we're at, because I've told, I'm telling, they've told everyone he's 
not tradable. And he's off like, I thought that was a big him waving his hand being like, I'm not happy. Right. So you don't have that many assets. Like, are, are you winning a Super Bowl this year? He came to go sign with Derek to play with Derek Carr. Derek Carr's out of there. Like, I was a little surprised that they've told every team he is not on the trading block over the next few weeks. And I'm like, well, why, why not? Like, consider it. I don't know. He's a, he's a great player and he doesn't want to be there and says he wants to win, obviously, but to win, he needs to get his, his touches. And he was only getting nine targets in two weeks. The whole yeah, thing I was, was preparing weird. for like some, Oh, he's been traded to the bills. Yeah. Like one of those kind of trades. I'm like, Oh no. Or he's been traded to the Cowboys for two first round picks. Oh no. Oh my God. But it's happening. He's not getting traded. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your guy, Tyson Bajan. So look, man, I'm, <laughs> I, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I'm not saying I bad a thousand. I'll miss some stuff. This Tyson Bajan, he gets the nod to start last week. And I do no homework on it at all. I'm just mm -hmm. like, oh man, the Bears, who cares? I don't know anything about the story. I don't know the Div 2 quarterback thing. I don't know about the dad being a champion arm wrestler. Yep. I don't, I, I just didn't know it. And I'm watching, it's on one of the TVs and he scrambles you know, out and gets a first down and then starts doing the gladiator. Let's give me go. some, give me. And I'm like, who is this guy? And it was very purdy ish. They win the game. I watched all the videos after of, of in the locker room. Locker the room. team seemed like they loved him. Justin Gives Fields is cool cheering speech. in the background. Yeah. yeah. It was like, what? I'm like, this is like exactly the kind of shit I, I love and bet on. So does this feel real? Like, is he maybe half decent? All right. So, <laughs> Let's go back to Senior Bowl last year in January. There, there weren't a lot of guys that were like rushing to get to the Senior Bowl this year, or there was just not the senior class that there usually is. And Jim Nagy, credit to him, who's at the Senior Bowl, he scours the earth for these guys. Yeah. And actually invited two different players from Shepherd University in West Virginia, which is a division school, division two school with 5,000 fans in the crowd. And he gets this kid. Bajan, who's the quarterback, and his offensive lineman, Joey Fisher, comes to the Senior Bowl. And I interviewed the head coach, uh, whose name is Ernie McCook, and it's been there forever. And is like it, almost out of a movie, Ernie McCook. I interviewed him for my podcast, and he says, You know, we couldn't afford airfare to the Senior Bowl. So, me and five guys uh, on the coaching staff, we drove, you know, overnight, you know, 20 hours to get from West Virginia to the senior bowl in mobile to go cheer on Tyson. I'm like, you didn't, they didn't, they don't have like a state of the art facility. We see the Alabama stuff at shepherd university. There is a high school history teacher who built a, a like man cave slash CrossFit thing. That's where the team trains. He built it. This guy who's a teacher at the local high school, not the college, not a professor, the local high school. He built it. And that's where the players train. And I posted the clip on my feed. He's talking to me about Tyson Bajant, how he works out during a college career. He's lifting logs of wood. This is Rocky Four shit. Logs Rocky of wood. Rocky Four. He's bench pressing logs of wood with his teammates. And their their workouts weren't let's run on the tr the shred mill or the treadmill. And we've got these guys at Exos. They would run to the to the shores of the Potomac River, which is like three miles from campus. And they'd run and they'd jump in the water and they would swim in the Potomac River and then get out of the Potomac. And then they hollowed out with their own hands and their own ingenuity 
a a a man-made cold bath out of the shores of the Potomac where they would go in and like that's how they would re like get their bodies back. Bill, this shit's crazy. It's crazy. He the, his team this weekend, the Shepherd team, they're playing Bloomsburg of Division Two in a big game. And I'm talking to the coach and he's talking about Bloomsburg. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm like, this guy is going to be on Sunday night football with Tariko and Collinsworth in front of 30 million people. And he and his college coach is talking about Bloomsburg and how he loved Tyson when he was a uh, a, a kid at church and he would see him in the church pews because he grew up in the local town. Only two schools recruited him. And this might be good for uh, for Kyle here. Albany being one of them, and then Robert Morris being the other. They were the only two schools that were bigger than Shepard. He stays at Shepard. And then long story short, gets to the senior bowl, kind of as like an oddity, but also, all right, we'll see. Division two kid. He's got the helmet on. And the Bears coaching staff, Luke Getze, is coaching at the senior bowl. And who do they fall in love with? Tyson Bajan. And the rest is history. He doesn't get drafted, but he chooses to go to Chicago. And I have one last Bajan nugget that I freaking loved. So this summer, he's an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback. Very long shot for those guys to make a team, especially if you weren't even... Pay- like Purdy, we thought was a cool storybook story. He was... At least you know, he was a seventh three- rounder, yeah. And a three-time starter in the Big 12. Like, you know, yeah. this guy comes from, might as well be, you know, Mars in West Virginia at Shepard, where West Virginia has never produced an NFL starting quarterback, by the way. The state itself, guys have come in and played there. And this summer, he gets the Luke Getze playbook. And whereas other players are going on vacation or whatever, and you've heard these kind of stories, but this is why it's so crazy. He would go to the Shepherd Field every morning and with the playbook, he would have his friend come and stand on the sideline with a cell phone, all right? And he would have an earbud or an earpod, whatever it's called, in his ear at the 50. And the friend through a cell phone would say the play calls from Getzi's offense. It would list it out like whatever it is, you know, spider Y2 yeah. banana, da, 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 da. And he would sit there and he would simulate the calls of the empty field line of scrimmage at Shepherd University. And he did this for six straight weeks. Didn't take a day off. Friend is at is, is on the sideline on a cell phone reading gets so that he shows up to training camp and they're blown away. So much so that Nathan Peterman, who is, a, you know, you make your jokes about Peterman's career, was the veteran guy. They're basically like, this guy's our number two. It's not going to be Peterman. He had the playbook down inside and out. So all those little things, it's the stuff that like you make a movie out of, but it's all real. And the Bears absolutely love the guy and what he's brought. I can't, you and Sal do the Collinsworth voice. I cannot wait to hear Collinsworth gushing over, over Tyson oh Agent this weekend. Well, they're playing the Chargers in LA. I would say there's, they, we thought there was going to be like 50,000 depressed Bears fans in there, but now there's going to probably be 50,000 excited Bears fans. Bajan, I love that he had what, like 53 people he had in a whole section in the Sunday game of his family 65 and friends. People, 65 people. 65 people. To Chicago. Yeah, all, all crowded in one section, just losing their fucking minds. And, uh, and then you have the Chargers who are a complete mess. Yeah. Who are, could this, this, if you're going to be cynical here, and the Bears are getting eight and a half, the Bears are plus 350 for the game. But if you're going to be cynical here, this is the kind of setup for Brandon Staley's last game. We're like, oh man, then he lost to Tyson Bajan and they had to make a move. So weird to think this is a must win against Tyson Bajan, but the Chargers are two and four. They've looked terrible. Um, hugely disappointing season all over the place. Herbert, even the nerds are like, it, it's harder for them to defend their nerd hero, Justin Herbert, when 
he keeps screwing up at the end of games. The J.C. Jackson paying he's him great, to play for the Patriots. Patriots. He was great last he's, week. He's defending Diggs and Gabe Davis for four quarters. <laughs> he like, was awesome. They're paying for him. Um, I don't know what the F's going on with that team. So this has all the makings. But it, we could also see it looks like a sports movie, and this could be the part of the sports movie where he just sucks on Sunday night, and now he's got to hit rock bottom again, and then he comes back. I don't know. I don't think it's happening. Here's, the, here's why. His numbers last week were like 21 of 24 for 160 and a touchdown, and then he ran for 40 yards. Like yeah. they're, not ask, they're not asking him to go throw for 300 yards. They're not asking him to throw the ball 55 times. A little bit like... Well, they have my guy Foreman, too. Foreman, who you said. He's been on seven teams. I love that guy. Every Everywhere year, it's just like I, every team's begrudgingly play him, and then he just kills it when he plays. It's great. Um, he was like an inactive for them for four yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been great. Um, you want to talk celebrity celebrity jeopardy before we go? Yeah. Can we? Let me. Can yeah. We? Just give it, give us like two minutes on it. So there's an actor's strike, a writer's strike. If you're listening and you're like, why the fuck would Peter Schrager be invited to Celebrity Jeopardy? I think a hey, lot listen, of the- why is Tyson Bajant the Bears Thank quarterback? You. We don't Thank argue. You. Like, you're there, you're there. Uh, I got the invite. I think a lot of people were reluctant to go on and do it during what was going on in Hollywood at the time. I go out to, to LA in August. Bill, if you were told like four days in advance, you're going on Jeopardy, of course you would go. The question is, would you prepare- how are you going to prepare? Thank you. So yeah. everyone's like, get the book. There's no books. Like, get, come on. So I get on the plane. I'm on like Southwest, like seat, like boarding group B. And I'm like on Wikipedia on the janky internet, like US state capitals. Like I'm going to learn them yeah. again or something. Or like presidents, like Fillmore. Uh, I get there. It's surreal, dude. You walk in and it's the actual set. It's the Jeopardy set. And they share yeah. the studio with Wheel of Fortune. So like I saw the actual wheel and I'm like, freaking yeah. out. I grew up on this shit. Um, I don't know about you, but I think we're probably similar in this, that like my family, we didn't talk a lot about feelings when we were uh, growing up in Freehold, New Jersey. And at seven o'clock at night, it was like a wonderful thing to put on Trebek and just zone out and not talk to each other and just watch Jeffrey. <laughs> like yeah. that's how I, that was it. So I grew up on this thing. I get out there. It's me versus Mira Sorvino. <laughs> yeah. You and guys go way back. The two of us, I'm sure she's watching a lot of good morning football. <laughs> right. And this guy, Adam Rodriguez, who's on like the CBS yeah. procedurals. Coolest experience. But here's what I will tell you. It aired last night. Wild. It goes down to final Jeopardy. The category was tween lit. All right. Tween, tween lit. lit. Tween what was lit. The, what was T -W -E -E -N. the answer? The answer was... Uh, well, first I had to put down my thing. I was down 200 points to Mira Servino going into final Jeopardy. And I look over and Servino's got her family at the taping. You know, she's got her crew and she's got like two teenage daughters in there. And I'm like, fuck. Like, uh, she's got, she yeah. said, and I saw her and I'm so like, so they rigged okay. this. They didn't rig it. They didn't know whatever it is. And I'm like, shit. So I'm like, as I'm about to put the, the number down, I'm like, who wrote those Twilight books and who wrote that, uh, the other one, the the the, the Hunger Games. I'm like, I, I don't know those answers. I'm like trying to think. So I said, screw it. I went big number. And the question was like, this author later said she would regret not calling her hit book just Margaret. And I'm like, oh, that's Judy Bloom. I'm like, that's Judy Bloom. That's that's you got you know, this. Yeah. Write it down. I'm like, who is Judy Bloom? And I had a big point total and all this thing. And I'm like, I got this. They start revealing like Peter Schrager, what do you have? Who is Judy Bloom? 
correct. You wagered. I'm like, I wagered, you know, $7,000 or $8,000. Great. I'm like, I'm sitting pretty. Goes to Sorvino. I'm looking, trying to get a read. Mary Sorvino, did you have it? And she was up like 200 points or something. She goes, Sorvino, who is Judy Bloom? She bet the entire thing she had. She just beat me by the slightest margin. It was the most dramatic Jeopardy game ever. I absolutely loved it. It was crazy. No shame. I played a good game. They do stats now. I got 19 questions right. I got three questions wrong, but I I got two daily doubles wrong. So that's what killed me. Uh, and I'll tell you, the, the, the tip to anyone who's ever going to go on or if you want to go, the buzzer is what, what screws you. And here's the deal. When you're watching at home and you're jumping out of your couch and it's like, who, you know, who is it? I know that. I know that. What? You can't buzz in until Ken Jennings finishes the clue. And if you do jump in and you press the buzzer before he finishes the clue, so it's like, yeah, this, this famous author wrote Romeo and Juliet. You're buzzing in beforehand. You get locked out. So if you see people freaking out, pressing that buzzer, blah, 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 it's because they've been locked out and they're frustrated. So I didn't get that rhythm down until like a little bit midway through. And then I was hot, dude. I got like random as shit stuff. I got who wrote Joy Luck Club. I'm like, Amy Tan, what about it? Like, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Uh, you start, your brain goes into this crazy, like, like they were showing me bridges. One of the categories was bridges. And I like cleaned up. I like, and I didn't know I knew bridges, like yeah. buzzing in. Bill, it was the coolest experience, man. I, you got to go on. I, I know you've been asked. I'm sure you have. And you're whatever reason. I'm too old now. It. I don't know if my brain works that way anymore. Are you serious, dude? I can't believe Sorvino took you down. Harvard? Jesus. UN ambassador. And I believe a member of Mensa. I had no idea about any of that stuff. Well, teen daughters is a murder. Murder For that right. last category. She, there's no chance. It was so fun. Well, congrats! It sounds like a moral victory. You're kind of you're kind of like Tyson Bajan against the uh, against the Chargers this week, covering nah. the eight and a half but not winning. No, no if I was Tyson Bajan against the Chargers, I would have beaten everyone by a million. That's what's going <laughs> to happen this weekend, bro. All right, good to see you, Shrakes. Love you, man. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap things up with some million-dollar picks. We have a full slate this week. Last week, we had six buy teams. This week, we have zero, and that makes no sense. But that's the NFL for you. Stayaways this week for me. Cards, Ravens. We laid this out on the Sal podcast on Sunday. Every time somebody's played the best game of the week, something weird's happened the next week with them. And this has been seven weeks in a row. The Ravens played the best game of the week last week. I'm a little worried. It's some sort of trend that I don't like. All the money is on the Ravens. All of it. People are putting them in teases straight up. It's just pencil them in. The Ravens, are they the best team in the league? I'm staying away. Same thing for Texans minus three and a half at Carolina. All week, I thought I was going to bet this game. All week, I waited for the line to move to four to four and a half. Carolina's 32nd in DVOA. Houston has a chance maybe to be a seven seed. They've looked really good. They've looked good against a tough schedule. And yet, uh, the line has stayed at three and a half, and I'm suspicious. I am staying away. I'm staying away from Bears plus eight and a half in LA against the Chargers, even though I love the Tyson Bajan story. Um, it worries me a little taking him and having Collinsworth you know, having little mini orgasms about him. And then he just starts, God only knows. He was in Division Two last year. Could this be Brandon Staley's last week? Maybe. Could this be a fun Bears money line pick? Sure. I'm staying away, even though there's going to be 50,000 Bears fans there. Eagles, Washington. Eagles are favored by seven. Philly's a little banged up. Still not sure what's going on with Hurts. The last two times these teams have played, the game's been close. More importantly, Philly's got Dallas at home next week. And this looks like a classic Milton Burrow game where they just pull just enough out of their pants to win. 
Uh, I'm staying away from teases, everything with that game. I'm staying away from two games with bad quarterbacks. Saints minus one against the Colts. Jets minus three against the Giants. Uh, Carr versus Minshew in the erratic quarterback bowl. I'm staying away. Zach Wilson versus Tyrod Taylor. No, thank you. Hate betting on games with bad quarterbacks. Somehow I did it last week with the Packers Broncos. Took the Broncos and despised myself for most of the day. Cowboys are favored by six and a half over the Rams. This feels like either the Rams have a shocking upset and win this outright, or they lose by 20. And I couldn't decide which one, so I am staying away. I'm not positive they can block the Cowboys. That's what worries me the most. But I could also see them going up 10-0 in the first quarter, and everyone has Cowboys in a tease freaking out. Last stay away for me, Vikings minus one and a half at Green Bay. Green Bay's been crushed by injuries. I think we're starting to realize that Jordan Love might suck. I'm not officially ready to declare yet, that yet, but he was really, really, really gruesome in that Denver game last week. And just in general, he's looked pretty iffy. Lambeau Field, Kirk Cousins, it seems easy. There's some Vikings momentum. And yet, uh, the Vikes coming off a great win and Green Bay coming off a horrible loss. Something about that seesaw. This looks too easy. Why isn't this line three? Why isn't this Vikings by three? I'm staying away. All right, here's what we do like. The million-dollar picks for week eight. Just for the record, we lost last week. We had some bad luck last week. Down 360 last week, down 865,000. I'm not scared. You've watched me come back from this before. You think I'm quaking in my boots at all? I'm not. Million-dollar picks. Week eight, first one. Bengals, plus four and a half, right in that Vegas zone against the 49ers. I am proceeding like Brock Purdy is not playing in this game because all year long, anyone who got a concussion did not play in the next game. I think it's an unofficial rule. I think Goodell called that one down. I think we're going to get Sam Darnold. I like Cincy's defense. I thought they did a good job against Seattle a couple weeks ago. A little worried about their offensive line against San Francisco's front seven, but uh, Cincy coming off a bye. Joe Burrow as a dog. The stats are great. Since he needs the game, as we covered with Schrager, they have a really tough schedule coming up. And um, I think they either win this game or come close. And even if the Niners, uh, you know, go up double figures, they're still in the cheap touchdown zone here. So I was going to take more money line underdogs just going forward because the money line underdogs, if the underdog covers, they also seem to win. But in this case, I'm going to grab the points. I think this is a close game. Maybe they win. They stick around. No Debo. McCaffrey, relatively healthy. Sam Darnold. Feels like either team could win this one. Bengals plus four and a half. So that's our first one. Second one, Steelers. We're going back to the well, baby. All year long. Who has been the biggest supporter of the Pittsburgh Steelers other than everyone from Pittsburgh? This guy right here. Four and two. They're the Michael Myers team this year. You have no idea how they're pulling it off. They pull it off week after week. I actually thought they played really well the second half of that Rams game last week. They ran the ball. They made plays down the field. Their defense was terrific. It's Michael Myers' birthday on Tuesday. I don't know if you're aware of this. It is. He turns 63. Man, he looks great. I mean, he's died at least 72 times. He looks great. The Steelers are not going to lose on, on two days before Michael Myers' birthday. It's going to be pouring rain. I repeat, pouring rain. Mike Tomlin is a home dog. The Jags 
So the Jags, they they win two London games. We covered this with Schrager. Two London games and a Thursday night game. Let's see them win a normal Sunday game on the road, on grass, in bad weather against Michael Myers. I don't see it. Eli 2.0, take us home. Take the money line on this. Steelers plus 124 to win outright against the Jags because the line's two and a half. So I'm grabbing the money line. Next one. This looked a tiny bit too easy, but on the other hand, Desmond Ritter has six turnovers in the last two weeks and is the first person I've ever seen fumble the ball more than once at the one-yard line. Falcons minus two and a half at Tennessee. They traded Kevin Byard this week, the Titans, who is one of their uh, good safeties. It's a borderline white flag for me. Uh, No Tannehill this week. They're doing this thing where they're going to play Will Levis and Malik Willis, two quarterbacks. It's almost like uh, one plus one equals three, but in this case, the one and the one is kind of a zero. It's a zero plus zero equals zero. That's my take. I know this looks too easy in the Falcons outdoors and switching conferences, and they have burned us over and over again with, with either they win, but they don't cover all these different things. I just think this is a rare chance to bet against a team that's playing Will Levis and Malik Cooker. And that's it. I don't know if this situation will ever happen again from a gambling standpoint. We get to lay less than three points. Atlanta's better. I think Tennessee is dipping their toes, maybe, in the number one pick sweepstakes. Trade deadline's coming up. Will they trade Derrick Henry? Will they trade DeAndre Hopkins? Will they trade other guys in the defense? It's all in play. It is not a good team. They cannot block. And I think the Falcons defense is pretty good. Maybe the Falcons defense can win this on on their own. Taking them. I love this one. Browns plus three and a half at Seattle. And you're like, the Browns? Did you see Deshaun last week? He was awful. They're going to have to play P.J. Walker again. I'm fine with it. P.J. Walker, solid C minus. You know what? I got a C minus in a couple courses in high school and college. It's okay. You can still get a 3-0. Um, Seattle's offensive line got decimated by Cincinnati two weeks ago. And in general, is not good. I would say it's below average. Cleveland's front seven, as good as it gets. I'm willing to throw away last week against Indianapolis. They thought they were going to walk in, beat up on Minshew. Watson shits the bed so badly in the first quarter. Uh, Indy hits a couple of big plays. I just think that was a looking-ahead game. They thought they just had to show up with their great defense. They're going to win. I think their defense wins this game. With that said, I don't trust P.J. Walker enough to take the money line. I'm going to do the plus three and a half. I think this is a three-point game. They have a chance to win. Browns plus three and a half at Seattle. And we'll see if that defense can win that game. Last but not least, a teaser. I've lost teases two weeks in a row and I wasn't going to do one again, but uh, two two that I cannot resist. The Lions coming off a horrible loss. They're playing the Raiders in a night game. I think the Raiders have packed it in for the season. Lions bringing them down from seven and a half to one and a half. I still believe in the Lions. I, I have them number five in my power rankings. And if you go DVOA, all that stuff, they're just so much better than Vegas. And then Chiefs Broncos would be the other one. You know, the Broncos, they have a way of hanging around in Chiefs games. I'm not that concerned about it. Um, hopefully Taylor Swift will go. But we're going to tease the Chiefs down from seven half to one and a half. So Lions down to one and a half, Chiefs down to one and a half. That's a tease. And then a couple small ones. So the first one, Jacksonville to win the first half 
but Pittsburgh to win the game. Cousin Sal talked about this on Sunday. This happened last week in the Pittsburgh Rams game where the Pittsburgh, they take like a half to get going. We're just going to put 50K on this plus 800. So Jacksonville wins the first half. Pittsburgh wins the game. Just sprinkle. We're just sprinkle 50K on that plus 800. And then we're also going to sprinkle uh, 50K on this parlay. It's the same game parlay. It is in progress because we don't have Demario Douglas um, passing props yet for receptions. Pats adjusted to four and a half. The over against the Dolphins to 29 and a half points. And then you can do the, the, the Pop Douglas TD here and make that plus 1049. Or you can wait for me on Saturday because I'm going to either do that or I'm going to do um, catches for him. Because if you watch the Pats last week, and remind, re, remind yourself that I told you this just for fantasy purposes, Pop Douglas for the Pats has reached, they cannot keep him off the field territory. And I think he's just going to get better and better every week. But I like the receptions and the yards with him. We'll see. Maybe they'll have like a plus 40 yards. Put that with Pats plus four and a half. I think that's going to be a close game. Rain and wind. Second time they played each other. The first game was pretty close. Miami's banged up on both sides, even though they're getting Jalen Ramsey back for this one. But I think the Pats will hang around. And I think they can rush Tua. Miami's offensive line isn't good. I think the Pats can pressure him. And uh, they'll throw some stuff to take Tyreek out of the game. Tyreek's hurt, but playing. Waddle has a bad back. Mostert might not play. And I think the Pats can steal that. So to recap, we are doing 300K on Bengals plus four and a half. Steelers plus 124. Falcons minus 2.5. Browns plus three and a half. And then a tease, Lions minus seven and a half with Chiefs minus seven and a half. And then 50K flyers on that Pat same game parlay, which I'll officially have on my Twitter feed on Saturday. And Jacksonville wins the first half. Pitt wins the game plus 800. You know what? I'm going to move down my Steelers money line parlay to 250. Is that plus one? Yeah, 250K at plus 124. So add that to your scorecard, even though you're not scoring this. Those are the million dollar picks for week eight. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Rob Mahoney and Peter Schrager. Thanks to Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti as well. Don't forget, uh, new rewatchables coming on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Um, stay safe, everyone in Maine. We're thinking about you. See you on Sunday. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wager in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. 
Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 